warning. Pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned cock thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 231. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat, but it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Drop by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, can't erase it, let's embrace it, Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture. Leftovers, uncool kids, what's to say's already been said. Leftovers, only talent, it's the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. You're listening to the only podcast with the balls to bite a radioactive spider. It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian, and I am a leftover. Uh, yeah, Jake is not here this week. He has uh, other plans. No, it, he didn't quit. He's coming back, uh, but I do have some more guests with me. Not playing your bumpers this week. I'm just going to introduce you. Number one, returning is uh, Rebecca Daly. Hello. Good to be back. Welcome back. Uh, Dan West. And, uh, yeah, six times? Six timer, Jacob Harmon? I think it's six, and it's good to be back. Yeah, welcome back, man. I'm glad to have you on this one. Uh, especially this one. This is a big one that I've been wanting to talk about for quite a while. Uh, let's see here. But anyway, yeah, no Jake, like I said. No iTunes reviews this week because I want to save those for when Jake gets back. I feel like me and him are better equipped to handle those. I don't, you know, I don't know. The half the time you guys are just, you guys agree with the iTunes reviews and I, and I, I, I need, I need Jake to kind of like, you know, level them out a little bit. Uh, first thing I want to talk about <laughs> real quick is, uh, is a PCL retraction on my part. Um, I got, uh, literally destroyed all over the place, all over social media this week. Uh, whether it be on the webpage, whether it be in emails, whether it be on Facebook. Uh, Thanos said, head, fuck you, you're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, I swear, I can do everything right on this show. And then I say one fucking thing that I misheard in the theater. And everybody, everybody jumps on top of it like Captain America on a goddamn grenade. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so you I literally just, got two letters wrong and the world ends. Well, see, the thing is, okay, the first time I watched the movie, 100% honesty here, I thought that he said head. And then the second time I went, the other two times I went, I went in 2D and the audio is not as good. And then I thought maybe the second time he said he uh, hand. And so... 
I'm thinking after the second one, he said, hand. So like when he, when I saw it the third time, I'm talking myself into saying, into hearing the word hand. And so that's <laughs> what I heard the third time. So I'm like, oh, he said hand. He said, hey, he's cut, cutting yeah. that hand off. And then I watched it the fourth time in IMAX. We got a theater out here uh, where you can watch uh, IMAX 3D for $6 on Tuesday. So I was like, okay, Whoa. I'm definitely going to do that. And so I went and then I was like, fuck, he did say head. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it's like you said on the show man you're rationalizing yeah. it like if yeah he, he, like it's like he said hand yeah. because if he chopped his arm off yeah then he's not gonna be able to do anything but yeah. you know yeah. same thing applies with the head it's as true. well speaking of head you can all blow me like literally <laughs> you can all fucking blow me i got called idiot moron everything under the sun just for this one fucking thing it's like jesus christ you fucking people are terrible anyway um let's see here but yeah uh speaking of avengers infinity war not gonna go into too like many spoilers about it this week i still want it to kind of like sink in with everybody uh that has not been able to see it so i'm not going to get into like the spoilers of it but i do have some avengers infinity War stories. Uh, the first one uh, that I want to talk about here, real quick, before we get into our good pop, bad pop. Apparently, a man, and this is a true story, a man died during a screening of Avengers Infinity War. Yeah. Did you guys hear I about this? this? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I saw the article. Terrible. Yeah. I got this from Screen Rant. Uh, in a report from Times of India, a construction worker named Petapapsalupa. Basha decided to catch the film as part of the May Day celebration. On Tuesday, the man went to Cinehub Multiplex in Pratur town in Andhra Pradesh's Kadapa district to watch Infinity War in 3D. After the film was finished, it was eventually discovered that he died sometime during the movie. And I, th- I heard it took a little longer because of the post credit scenes. And I'm not even joking here. Like it, like they, they didn't realize until like everybody had cleared out after the, after the post credit scenes that this guy had died. The 43 year old quote was found sitting in his seat without any movement. Theater employees initially assumed that the man was simply waiting for the post credit scene. But when he didn't move, even after it was over, it became clear something was wrong. It wasn't until officials removed his 3D glasses that they learned that he had died with his eyes open. Wow. <sighs> wow. Wow. Poor guy. That's a, that's a terrible story. Like, oh, that's really sad. Man, you know, Thanos really kicked a lot of ass during that movie. I'll be honest with you. That's insane. Oh. <laughs> Oh, awkward. <laughs> oh, God. Just let me choke on my drink. <laughs> mm. I'm telling you, like, you got to be you, the greatest villain of all time in Marvel Cinematic Universe when you can actually kill a man during <laughs> a screening <laughs> of the film. Talking. <laughs> <laughs> No, oh, it's yeah. No, it's terrible, man. It's it not is. the first time that someone has passed away at the cinema for definite. You know, no. there's been reports of apparently The Exorcist killed people, but um, for a different reason. I think this guy just, you know, for whatever reason, passed away. I don't think it was the movie that killed him. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, like, I, do you have any guesses as to like around when it happened? You know, like what part? <laughs> no. Because of spoilers. <laughs> yeah. Jeez Louise, it's crazy. I can't imagine being the person sitting next to the guy and not even realizing. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, it'd be terrible. And, and also, let me say, what way to start episode 231 as well. Yeah, I know. It's, you know the guy, after the movie ends, the guy turns into him. He's like, man, that was amazing, wasn't it? He doesn't, he doesn't, doesn't say a thing. He's like, and then he just goes, "Yeah, well, yeah. fuck you, well, asshole," fuck you, man. and just walks out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then feels terrible for the rest of his life. Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't. Do I, you think he's gonna haunt that theater now? Ooh, that's a very good point. Like, will he kind of get like an afterlife like subscription and free movies? You, you go. I'd assume so, but he would also be at the door, like ushering people away from any Marvel film, like, from now on. I mean, don't go in there, that shit'll kill you. And, you know, instead of... And beckoning people to DC movies. Try and up those numbers. Wow. Wow. <laughs> okay, fuck you, you started this. No, I now, you know, it's like, there's lines, buddy. You know what I mean? Some, some you just don't cross, you know? I mean, no, I, I was made to cross them. I was, I was trying to handle this in a tasteful way. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, of course you were. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, let's see here. Let's move on into good pop, bad pop. Time for more leftover reviews with good pop, bad pop. All right, I'm going to start off here with something that I've been watching over the last uh, couple days. Um, Amazon Prime now has, I don't know if you guys watch this guy, but Amazon Prime now has uh, Angry Video Game Nerd on there. Oh, all right. I watch his YouTube channel. Yeah, yeah. Everything that's on his YouTube channel, you can now watch all of his seasons on Amazon Prime. It's pretty awesome. I was just really happy to see that. And the new season started, season 12. And so I checked that out, and like the first episode, he's talking about uh, Earthbound. Have you guys heard about this RPG? It came out on the Super. It came out on the Super Nintendo, uh, but it was like in a limited run, and then it had like this huge cult following. Like people loved this game, and it's such a bizarre game. And so like they re-released it on the Super NES uh, Classic. Yes. Yeah, that's isn't that the one with Lucas and Nez in it, like the two boys. They're in Super Smash Brothers. Oh, is that yeah, it? Really? Yeah. yeah, I think so. I think so. There's like the yeah, kid I'm... with like the the baseball cap and the yeah. baseball bat. And yeah. Everything. Okay. Yeah. You know more about it than I do. I mean, I just watched. I watched like when you said Nez, I was thinking Nestor, the one character from like the was it the Nintendo Power magazines. Oh, okay. I don't think they're the same, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it was a, I mean, this game's, have you guys, I have an SNES. I bought it. I haven't even taken it out of the box yet. So <laughs> have you guys played this Earthbound game? No, I've never played it. I never have. Uh, but I, I do know that the actual, the original release of the game, it was pretty late in the console's life cycle. Yeah. And, uh, so it was a low production run. And it's been one of the most expensive SNES games that you can get. I mean, it's, I, I think last time I had looked, it was like over 400 bucks. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. So, uh, yeah, like if you want to buy the original cartridge, it's, it's, in, it's really up there. The game is just like, it's, it's insane. It's like if a programmer just like dropped acid and watched, you know, Willy Wonka and was playing Pink Floyd, like the enemies make no sense. Like sometimes you fight like a, a street sign. It's, it's insane. Like <laughs> it's, I know that game introduced a mechanic where if you were high enough of a level and you ran into an enemy, if you, they knew that you were, you know, high enough to kill it, it would, you wouldn't have to fight it. It would yeah. just give you the victory. Wow. 
Yeah, the, the games, it, it seems like absolutely insane. And like the whole video that he did was just insane about like some of the theories that go around in this game and how deep it is. Cause the final boss, I guess his name's Gygus. And it's almost just like an apparition that you fight or an idea that you fight. You don't fight like a physical form of something. It's just like these waves that make up this picture. And then he gets into like, how it looks like this demon, but like if you look at the outline of the demon, it makes the shape, and I, it makes the shape of like a fetus in a sonogram. And oh. they talk about how like this might be the main character going back and trying to kill the demon while he was still a fetus so that he wouldn't become this demon. So because you do fight in the past and stuff like it's crazy, but like the creator of the game would never confirm or deny anything really or he would deny that it was not that but like it just looked so much like a fetus and i know that sounds disturbing i'm just saying what they said on the episode and we've already talked about a guy dying in the theater so this should not be a problem for you at this point in the episode uh, if you're still listening if you didn't drop off so yeah man no this is actually on like uh, a lot of gaming lists about kind of like most disturbing easter eggs or like moments in gaming this one features a lot that particular boss battle that's always on it because of the imagery involved and all the fucking weird text that pops up on the screen yeah i couldn't believe it man creepy it's very fuck but it's such it's such i don't know it's on the snes classic and so it's like it's made me like want to start playing this game just to get an idea of it because it's it's kind of it's an RPG, but but it's different than Final Fantasy, like the original ones where you see the characters actually fight them. You actually only see like your life bars when you're actually in the fight. You don't see your characters actually striking or doing anything. And um, he talked about how it was kind of like really weird at first, but then he kind of fell in love with it. Um, but, he, you know, basically he said the game does have its problems. But, man, it is so imaginative. I've, I've never seen anything like this fucking crazy wackadoo in a video game in a long time and then so i watched that season 12 and it's like a 40 minute episode for number first for the first episode Jesus. yeah and um and then i then i just i love him and like over the past i started watching him back in 2010 so like it's been a while since i've watched you know angry video game so i like went back and started like watching some of the old episodes and some really, I mean, just some bizarre shit. Like, I was, have you guys ever seen the Sword Quest episode? He's talking about the game for the Nintendo called Sword Quest. Nope. No, I haven't seen that one. one. Okay, so there's there was this game that came out called called Sword Quest. And Rebecca, I know you're not a gamer, but this is still, like, really interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. they, in order to get people to, was it, was it Nintendo or, no, it was, um, I think it was, it was Atari. Atari. It was Atari. I apologize. Yeah. But um, they, when the game first came out, they were offering prizes that totaled up to one hundred and fifty thousand dollars if you basically uh, beat the game, um, sent in like clues or codes and scores or whatever, and then you go to like their headquarters and battle it out with like eight other players, and like the top person to win would win. A valuable prize and like the first the, there was four prizes that they gave out at first and there were four games one was called like one was like an air game air quest fire quest uh wind quest and earth quest and uh the, for the first game you'd win a twenty five thousand dollar talisman and i'm talking like they a real talisman that they make like um, like the Franklin Mint made these and it was like real gold with real jewels and it was $25,000 talisman. 
Jesus. That's a hell of a bribe. Okay, so that was for like the first game, which was like Fire Quest or whatever. And then like the second game was like Wind Quest or whatever. And it was the, the Chalice. And then the third game, whatever it was, Fire Quest or whatever, I don't remember the order, was the Crown of Life. Well, what ended, and then the fourth one was the Philosopher's Stone. And each one of those was $25,000. And then by the time you get to the ultimate championship where everybody battles it out for the final game, you could win a $50,000 sword of ultimate sorcery. And so, uh, <laughs> and so they actually gave out like the first three prizes. Like I heard, I, and I had to like research this, but like the first guy apparently like had his melted down for cash. The second guy, they, it's rumored that he's locked it up in a safe somewhere. The third guy had it melted down. And then what happened was like the big video game crash in 1983. You know, like you guys remember like with the, the ET thing with Atari oh, yeah. and like they buried a bunch of games out in the desert and the mm-hmm. big, yeah, the big video game crash of 83. And so they stopped this whole contest. And so like actually AirQuest never even came out. The game never even, never even, um, uh, made the light of day. And, um, so they said there, there might be prototypes of the game out there, but nobody's ever seen it. And so they were like, what happened to, what happened to the other prizes? You know, like what happened to them? Like <laughs> there's rumors like that one of like the CEOs of Atari or something like that had the sword of ultimate sorcery on his wall in his home, but like nobody could confirm it. But these things actually existed. Like they have pictures of the actual you know, chalice and talisman and the sword and everything. And I was just blown away by the contest that they had in the eighties. Like nothing like this would ever happen today. Nothing like this would ever happen today. Oh no, definitely not. And that's a shitload of money for back then as well. <laughs> yeah. That's that's a ridiculous amount. And before we get correction Tuesday, it is it's earth, fire, water, air. That's fire water. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So guys, stop fucking emailing already (laughs) oh i'm sure i'm sure all of our sword quest fans out there are just like oh my god yeah brian's a moron and he fucked up head and hand and now he's fucking up sword quest battles or whatever (laughs) fuck off i'm just trying to tell you an interesting story i might not be doing it 100 percent, but uh yeah it's just a like i don't know i just i love the angry video game nerd he was he's playing some just bizarre games and i love the glitches episode i love um like when he just has like themed episode i was watching like the dracula one where he plays all the dracula games and i'm remembering playing dracula on the sega cd and how terrible that game was and i was like and that was the thing it was like i remember like dan you probably remember this it was when you rented a video game on a friday that you better hope that it's a good game because like that's your video game that you rented for the whole weekend yes yeah most definitely (laughs) it became a thing of mine that i would with all those older games i would have to rent something because i remember buying um joe and mac the caveman ninjas i remember i get that that for my birthday and i completed that within two hours Mm. so that was like 40 40 pounds so like 60 dollars yeah back in like the kind of early 90s that my parents just kind of like threw away and i just said to them from now on i'll just i'll just rent them from the video store because It was just getting stupid. Yeah, I remember like the great games like Strider and uh, Super Mario Brothers Three. But then, of course, like you get that first really crappy game, and you're just like, "Ah, oh, fuck!" Either if you buy it or if you just rented it, because like then you're stuck playing the fucking thing for the whole weekend, and yeah. it's terrible. Like 
I remember renting Dragon's Lair on the Nintendo Entertainment System. Not the, not the, like, the arcade one. And a lot of people, like, revere that arcade one. But let's be honest here, guys. It's just hitting buttons at the right time. And it is pretty crappy. Okay? It's pretty shitty. I own it on, like, on DVD. And I can play Dragon's Lair 1 and 2 and Space Ace. And it's pretty crappy. It was just really cool because it was like a cartoon um, that they had on Laserdisc. And, I mean, it is beautiful Don Bluth animation, but the gameplay really sucks. Um, yeah, it was it was amazing at the time. But now, if you gave it to anyone yeah. nowadays, they would just say, oh, it's just one big quick time event, which yeah. is what those are called. Like when you have to just press a button at a particular time. So everyone would just rip it to pieces now. Yeah. It's, it's only nerds like us <laughs> that really appreciate it for what it was. Exactly. I remember going to like showbiz pizza when I was a kid and seeing the Dragon Slayer video game and just like, oh my God, this is amazing. Yeah. I was sure it was you that said that that cost like double the amount to play it like per turn or something compared with the rest of the games that were around it. Uh-huh. Yeah. It wasn't cheap. Yeah. Yeah. I never even found that machine over here. Oh, it was, really? It just wasn't around. Yeah, yeah, I just saw it on a, a show that was called Games Master, where people would come on and play games for prizes and stuff like that, and they had that on there. The guy never even fucking finished it. He was terrible. <laughs> I, uh, the best part of the the best part of buying like the DVD box set was you could just click on playthrough and watch the whole playthrough of the game. Oh, that's awesome! And that was fun. So, and then like. Last thing I want to talk about with the Angry Video Game Nerd, like the Dracula one that I was talking about, like there was a game that was never released and it was called Drax Night Out. And it was, you're Dracula and you're running around, but it was also a promotional ad for Reebok pumps. <laughs> Classic. So a Classic tie-in. One of the power-ups is the Reebok pump. And when you put it on, you're running around really fast. You get the jump really high. I was like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> Dracula and his Reebok pumps. Oh, gosh. <laughs> That's so cool. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know about that. I remember yeah. Cool Spot, which was a game on the Seven Mega up. Drive, I think. Cool Spot? Cool Spot, yeah. And it was, <laughs> this is so dumb. It is literally the the red circle from, from Seven, the up. Seven Up. Yeah. yeah. With the glasses. They, yeah. Yeah, they slapped sunglasses on him and they gave him arms and legs and then he ran, he ran around collecting Seven Up bottles. Well, they made, they made a Nintendo, <laughs> they made a Nintendo game for the Noid, which was the Domino's Pizza mascot. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. I see, I see people doing speed runs of, um, uh, Pepsi Man, which was, I think that's a Japanese game. <laughs> you were this guy who was like covered in like, like silver and the Pepsi symbol, and yeah. you just went round streets collecting Pepsi cans. <laughs> so that's all. That's literally all you did, all the way through. Uh, so people speed run that game now in competitions. I I highly recommend watching Angry Video Game Nerd. It's absolutely fantastic. Like some of the games, like I've never even seen before, and like these were games that came out when I was a kid. They're like. He had this game called Action 52, and it's 52 games. And on the front of the package, it says retail price $199. And they put that on there to make you think, like, oh, my God, 52 games? And he, like, divided it up. And it was, like, with tax, it would be, like, $4 a game. Oh, my God, you're getting such a great deal here. And every game is just absolute trash. Just, <laughs> just absolute dumb shit. <laughs> Start to finish. Yeah, like the final game is this game called Cheetah Men, and it's about these these cheetah ninjas, and it's just so terrible, and the game is so glitchy. It's so bad. And, uh, oh, it's just a great show. And then the only, uh, I would, uh, the only other thing that I want to talk about here real quick is I went out and saw Tully, the new Charlize Theron movie. Has anybody else seen this? 
I have not. Rebecca, did you fall asleep after the whole video game? <laughs> did we lose Rebecca? I think we lost Rebecca. I think we might have. <laughs> I'm gonna pause here. All right, we're back. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna. Rebecca's having some internet problems here, but uh, we're gonna try to we're gonna try to get through this. But um, let's see here. Uh, I was talking about Tully, and um, it's a new film that I just saw. The film is about Marlo, a mother of three, including a newborn who is gifted a night nanny by her brother, hesitant to hesitant to the extravagance at first. Marlo comes to form a unique bond with the thoughtful, surprising, and sometimes challenging young nanny named Tully. Uh, it's directed by Jason Reitman. I love Jason Reitman. He's uh, the showrunner for Casual on Hulu. And uh, if you have Hulu, and if you're in your 30s and 40s, and if you're not watching the show, you need to be. It's amazing. And uh, it's one of the best comedies that you can watch on TV right now, in my opinion. Um, but this movie stars Charlize Theron as Marlo. Ron Livingston from Office Space and Band of Brothers is her husband in the film. And then her brother is actually played by Mark Duplass from The League. And uh, I, this movie is uh, fantastic. It's, uh, I mean, it shows... I'll never be a mother, but it'll, it shows like how, how stressful being a mother can be, especially when she's, she's got a kid who, I don't know if the kid's on the spectrum or what the deal is, but he's a, he's a handful for her. And, um, and, uh, so you get, she, she just, I mean, she's just constantly taking care of kids, can never do anything on her own. She's, she's just, just tired and exhausted. And so her brother who comes, who's, you know, has a lot of money apparently, like, you know, uh, you know, pays for this nanny to be a evening, uh, an overnight live-in nanny that's going to watch, um, you know, the kids, uh, well, her baby while she tries to sleep and, and nurse and all that other stuff throughout the night. But um, I, this movie is wild. It, it takes some turns that I never thought it was going to take. Um, I, I don't want to get into it too much because I don't want to spoil it. But, um, it's, it's a very introspective movie as far, not, not, not as far, just as, I think men can get a lot out of this too, because it just makes you think about, it makes you think about certain things. And it's, it's just a really, really, really great movie. I, I Tupperware this movie and I haven't even announced the rating system, which I'm a terrible host. So <laughs> I, I just, I'm all over the place. Hold on. We, we have a rating system on the show for, I didn't even do the good pop, bad pop fucking, I did. I don't. You know, <laughs> fuck it. Jake's not here this week, and I'm just fucking around. Um, anyway, yeah, we have a. If this is your first time listening, we have a rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success—a Tupperware party. You know what threw me off is just like we just started. I, I just started. Jumping Jumping into video game talk for some reason, so weird. Yeah, it was yeah. like there's no, there was no preamble. Yeah. Jake's not here. We're normally waiting to talk, and yeah. and but it was like, okay, you're on. Yeah, and I didn't do iTunes reviews, none of that stuff. So yeah, but this I if this movie's hard to really talk about without spoiling it. Um, but what kind it, of film is it? Is it like it's it's rated R? Up, it, it sounds like a horror. No, 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 no. It's it's not a horror film. It it it. it Ah oh, man, it, it, it's it's rated R. It, it's it's basically it's just it's Charlize Theron, and she's it, it basically kind of takes you through how a woman's body after um after she has a baby. 
goes through all these different hormonal changes and it's, she's dealing with all this stuff and she's trying to keep it all together, but it, it's, it's okay. like, she's got the school saying like, your kid has become kind of a problem, um, at the school and we don't think it's a good fit. Your son seems a little quirky and, and, and I mean, she's hearing this stuff and it hurts her cause she's doing the best that she can. And she wants her, of course she would want her son to act normal. Um, but you know, but then on the other, she's got all this other stuff going on. She's got a newborn baby that she's got to take care of. Her husband has not made a move on her in months. They haven't had sex in months. And then, um, you know, she's not, she's having body issues and things like that after her pregnancy. She just, you know, and, um, so, and so then, it's like a drama. It's like a drama. It's like it, a life drama. It is. It is. But I mean, there. It's very edgy as well. I mean, it gets to a place where you know f- she feels like you know she's 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 cracking under the pressure. Um, she starts to flip out a little bit, um, and the people around her kind of notice her kind of falling apart, and so they want to help her. And um, and then the movie goes into some places where I didn't think it was going to go. And I don't know how the ending of this movie is going to translate to casual viewers of film that maybe don't watch a lot of movies. They might leave the theater and not really understand what just happened. But for me, right. after it was over, I was like, wow, what a what a very introspective movie that makes you think about yourself too and you know i'm in my 40s and it makes me think about like how i used to be in my 20s and so it was kind of very how much i've changed since my 20s and um it's just it's that kind of movie it's 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 i don't know it's fantastic i i tupperware it without without spoiling it i can't really get into it too much but um charlie Theron's great mark duplass is great and um, Ron Livingston's absolutely fantastic, so I highly recommend this one. So oh, awesome, man! Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, Tully is a very interesting movie. Uh, Harmon, did you have something to say about it? Or yeah, it just sounds like such a, a different kind of film. Uh, it, it sounds very interesting, and I'm probably going to check it out once it comes to the uh, the discount showings. Yeah, yeah. Nice, nice to see something that's kind of you know not in this like independent horror summer blockbuster sort of feel that we get a lot like these days in cinema so yeah nice to have something different for definite yeah and if it's your first exposure to jason reitman and you really like tully after you see it i i definitely highly recommend that you seek out casual it is it is really great like if you're in your 30s and 40s i think this is a it's a great show it's on hulu and i highly recommend that as well but um uh, sweet we'll move on dan what do you got for us uh, I have oh, a very video game centric episode. I've got a video game to talk about, which is the uh, God of War, the fourth installment of the God of War series. And this is, we're going to go into the plot very quickly. Many years have passed since Kratos took his revenge against the Olympian gods, and he now lives with his young son, Atreus, in Midgard. The game opens following the death of Kratos' second wife and Atreus' mother, Faye. Her last wish was for her ashes to be spread at the highest peak of the Nine Realms. It does sound like Lord of the Rings or something like that. We're <laughs> um, like a D&D campaign. Um, uh, before beginning their journey, Kratos is confronted by a mysterious man with godlike powers after seemingly killing him, Kratos Kratos and Atreus set out on their journey. Um, yeah, like I said, this is the fourth installment of God of War. I've loved all three games previously to this, mainly because 
I love Greek myths and legends. I've always loved them. And this has moved it across and we're into like Norse mythology in this one, hence like being in Midgard. So we get, you know, all the, like the Norse gods mentioned, like Thor and Odin and stuff like that. And yeah, you play Kratos, who is, um, he's a Spartan. So he can like Spartan rage and get like stupidly strong for like brief periods of time. He has this ridiculous war axe, which is just like uh, Molnir. So he'll like throw it. It'll stick in stuff. It will stick in a bad guy, stick in a wall or whatever. And then you can just call it back to yourself and it will hit enemies as it comes back. And the noise it makes when it returns to your hand is so damn satisfying. It's awesome. Um, This is the highest rated game like reviewer wise that has ever come out on the PlayStation 4 and it lives up to the hype and it lives up to the reviews it is gorgeous um the production value is off the fucking chart it's ridiculous mm. and the story is incredibly engaging and the mechanics of the game the fighting all the spells and the way you level up is really really good and it's just an amazing kind of world to step into um not too many spoilers the first kind of like two hours of the game you get to this part of the story where you meet like a wood witch and she takes you back to her like her house and uh, atreus says oh you live in that tree and she goes not in it under it and as she says that the whole tree raises out of the ground and it's on the back of this giant snapping turtle and the house is underneath it it is just it's like stepping into it's literally like stepping into a fantasy novel and it's it's so beautifully realized it's, it's amazing i tupperware 100 percent. it's fantastic yeah um so how long was it how long has it been since the i've never played god of war it's one of those that i've i've definitely seen though i remember seeing you know god of war on g4 when that station was on there you know and uh yeah i've seen gameplay on it on you know i i've been on uh you know twitch and some of the other uh Ustream and and some of the other things and, and watch gameplay i used to sit around even though i wasn't playing games i'd sit around i could sit around for hours and watch gameplay of the hitman i would Oh yeah, it was absolutely. <laughs> and so I'd find somebody playing these games, and I'd sit there and watch them. That's what I, I do that a lot these days. I I will actually go back and watch arcade gameplay of games that I grew up playing as a kid, but I didn't have oh, enough nice. tokens to beat. So yeah, this morning I was actually watching the arcade RoboCop, the Data East game, and I watched all twenty four minutes of the gameplay on that. So like, oh wow, <laughs> I. It's, it's, it, you know, and like, I think I've, I've done it with NARC. I've done it with Capcom's Magic Sword. I've done it with a ton of games. And so I have seen God of War. It is a gorgeous game. I haven't really seen a lot of the new ones other than screenshots on Reddit. But how long has it been since they had the last God of War game? It feels like it's not as long as like the Red Dead Redemption sequel, but it's been a long time. Uh, you'd be surprised, man, because after God of War 3, we had Awakening, but that wasn't... I, I never even got that, because it's kind of... As far as I know, it's not kind of like the main plot. But the the third God of War game was in 2010, so it's been eight years. Wow. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. So I think you're right. I'm not too sure when Red Dead, the first one, came out, but yeah. it's been a long time, and they've completely reworked this. And, I mean, if I was going to liken it to anything, it's a cross between... The Witcher series, which is one of, like, it's lauded as one of the greatest game series of all time. It's a cross between Witcher, The Last of Us, which is also another one of the best games ever, 
thrown into Norse mythology and Kratos stuck right in the middle of it. He's, he's epic, story-driven, hack-and-slash, hmm. RPG gorgeousness. It's fantastic. Okay. So if you, if you don't have it and you're even slightly interested in it, either watch a playthrough and make up your mind or just pick it up. You will not be disappointed. Okay, so a lot of... Yeah, it sounds incredible. Um, I mean, if I'm at a red box, I might even rent it just to ch- ch- check it out because... These games do look incredible. But see the thing, okay, for years they've been talking about video games and turning them into movies. And like we've heard for years, you know, Halo. Now they're talking about a Halo series. Um, and then, um, of course, Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell was supposed to be rumored with Tom Hardy for the longest time. And they're still yeah. talking about that. Um, what about a God of War movie? I mean, do you think this could be the one that breaks the... You know the video game movie curse. If if they go for it, I honestly think that it would work because, especially with this, it's so heavily story driven. You know, there's a lot of feels in this one for definite, as opposed to the others, which are just kind of, you know, teenage boy hack and slash. Oh look, there's like a Greek goddess with her boobs out, sort of thing. This is this is a lot more adult and and a lot more. It's just a lot more mature, but in not in that sort of you know that kind of explicit way so yeah i think if they wrote a new story with with kratos and um atreus in in midgard and not told this story but maybe something else before or after i think that would work really well Hmm. so fingers crossed (laughs) yeah yeah i'm not saying like yeah i would love to see something like this that'd be incredible i just want to see what i want to see one of these video game movies actually be fantastic like to kind of like somebody get it like i i feel like they need to just step away and stop kind of pandering to some of the video game fans by throwing in easter eggs i think sometimes that's like it hinders the film that they feel like they've got to throw in like you know like the prince of persia movie i get it like they want to throw in like that sands of time moment where he's jumping off the walls and stuff like that but like just make a movie that makes sense you know and just yeah is yeah, awesome definitely yeah i mean like you know, like, what if, like, Spielberg, like, put his name on something like this? Or, like, J.J. Abrams or, like, a big-time director said, I'm going to do this movie. Like, you know, I th- I think we might have something that, there. But I feel like a lot of times we get the video game companies, the video game publishers themselves getting too much involved because they think of it as an extension of their product, which I understand it is. But on the flip side, like, I – you know, it's nice that Blizzard is involved in, like, the movie projects. But on the flip side, that Warcraft movie was not that good, people. And same thing with, goes with the um, uh, the Assassin's Creed movie. Like, Ubisoft was way too involved in that film, and it was just not good. So – No, it, it, that's the thing, dude. It, it, as far as video games go, like, the video games to movies, if the characters are there and the stories are there, then by all means, like – take a punt at it but retelling the story which has already been done so well in a game is is a bad idea because if we're gonna get i think we're getting like the movie of the last of us at some point like that's yeah. getting closer and closer to being like properly done but there's no point doing that because the story's told so well in the original game and it's such a good story the voice acting is incredible it's um ashley johnson who a lot she was in avengers she was the waitress in avengers the captain america saves i don't know if you remember her it's like the blonde lady that's on the tv afterwards and she's a fantastic voice actress she plays ellie and then we have troy baker who is he's all over the place as far as voice are you talking goes. about the first avengers movie the, the waitress girl yeah that was the little girl from Growing Pains. That was a sitcom. Yeah. yeah. 
That's yeah, and she I, was also a Gretchen Grundler out of Recess as well. Okay. Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> I know, man. That's a, that's a deep cut. <laughs> that's a real deep cut. Ooh. Yeah, but she's she's fantastic, and <clears throat> she's she's a brilliant like actress, voice actress. Um, so having her and the the tour de force that is um Troy Baker, uh, you don't you don't need a movie of The Last of Us at all unless they were going to carry the story on. That makes sense, but there's no point retelling the same story that's in the game. Mm. Just like just like this. You know, if you do a God of War but movie, damn, and me, basing in, yeah. There's more people that haven't seen, that don't know the story than do know the story. Like, for me, like, I've played a little bit of The Last of Us, and I, that, but I've watched literally, like, hours and hours and hours of, like, my nephew playing it. So, yeah. Um, but, you know, like, I don't know the whole story. So, like, for me, maybe seeing it for the first time, like, it might be satisfying. But for you, on the flip side, like, Okay, I've already seen that story. I don't really need it, but like, I think there's more people that ha- that don't know that story than do. Yeah, but you're looking at like the target audience would be the gamers because if this film came out with no sort of you know like connection to anything, it's just like this standalone like horror film. Yeah, and but look look at, everyone... look at look at how good World War Z performed in the theaters. Like it's it's still they're still doing a sequel to World War Z, which is a zombie thing. And like, are they still still going to do that? Yes, I actually read an article just a few weeks ago that it, they're still they're still going to be doing a World War Z sequel. And I mean that movie performed really well in the theaters. Um, yeah, and... it wasn't great though, was it? No, it wasn't. I mean it it, it was so it was a Frankenstein movie like. They had so many problems during production. The zombies kind of changed throughout the film, but a lot of people, a lot of people loved that movie for some reason. And I wasn't a fan, but um, a lot of people loved it. And I feel like I don't know. I feel like zom- I don't know. Is are zombies still popular? That's the thing. I think like maybe that was like riding off the high of Walking Dead when it was still like at the top of its game. So yeah, yeah, it would be. But I mean, the like with like I was saying, man, the. The people that they want to get that they think would definitely buy a cinema ticket would be the gamers. And because they've played the game probably two, three times through, and if they end up telling the same story, they'll just be like, you play Last of Us mainly for the story. I mean, it's beautiful and it's game mechanics wise, it's fantastic, but you know, it's the story and the feels and the emotion between the characters that really hooks you. And if you've seen it already three or four times, it's not going to grab you as much as the, the fifth time round in a totally different medium. Yeah. Okay. All right. And what else do you have for us? Uh, I watched a very interesting film called Psychokinesis, which is, uh, it came out uh, since 2018, it's come out this year. Um, it's directed by Sang Ho Yeon, who you guys will probably know who did Train to Busan. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. this is, this is his, his new movie. And, um, the synopsis is, after drinking water from a mountain spring, a bank security guard gains telekinetic superpowers, which he must use to save his estranged daughter from an evil construction company as a superhero. This movie is fucking hilarious. But in the best way, it really reminded me of um, uh, Jackie Chan's movies. Like that that mixture between like drama and comedy and action. That's the that's the feel I get from this. I'm a huge Jackie Chan fan, so I, I, I enjoy the sort of the tone of the film. And um, I won't go into spoilers, but mainly everything you need to know is in the synopsis of this movie um, mm. the special effects in it aren't the best they're, they're pretty good but they're not the best but it is 
is adorable this film and you can really see what the director is doing in this film and it's just like if a normal guy who have normal problems suddenly got this, these abilities it's just like showing what he would kind of actually do and he's thrust into this kind of political um uh like industrial like fucking well it's, it, it's like a I was going to say espionage, but it's not espionage. It's like, you know, this kind of like standoff, this like siege between these people that are trying to save this area of the town, which his daughter's involved in, versus these evil, evil construction site people. Um, and it's just, it's hilarious and fun. Um, I'm going to give it high taste. It's not quite as good as Train, I don't think, but um, it, it's really fun. And it's on, uh, I think it's on, what did I watch it on? Shit. I think that's sort of Netflix. Oh, I and hope it's on Netflix here because like our Netflix is different than yours. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's on Netflix in the UK. Um, yeah, it was on Netflix. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a really good fun movie. And again, lots of, lots of like just nice character moments in this. And for the ridiculous stuff that like the dad is doing, uh, it's all very grounded in its, um, in its kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? And it's kind of themes, if you know what I mean. Yeah. It, it's really good. Yeah, so I give that a high taste. Is. But yeah, nice fun film if anyone wants to check it out. I do want to check that out. I love Train to Busan. I love the director. I even loved his animated, I forget what it was. Uh... Seal Station? Yeah, Soul Station. Um, yeah. Soul Station, yeah. I uh, This, this. Uh, I, I think he's kind of shining a light on Korean cinema for U.S. audiences. And yes. I'm hoping to see uh, one of our... I'm hoping to see like, you know, like Warner Brothers or, you know, like, uh, even, even like Bloomhouse or A24 or somebody like give him a shot for a, for a film over here and give him like a, a big budget. Cause we've seen like, um, uh, Jun Hong Bo or I, I can't, I can't remember his name, the Ong Bak director. Um, yeah. I mean, we've seen like Netflix do a deal with him. Like I want to see, I would love to see this director get like, like the same kind of deal with like Netflix or something like that because I think I I think this guy is talented and you're absolutely right there's a little bit of like even with like uh, Train to Busan there's a little bit of levity in it you know what I mean it's not all like gritty and like there's some humor and stuff and some like really fun characters so yeah most definitely man yeah, yeah. it's not that like Train is not it is a zombie film, but it it has those those fuck yeah moments, those funny moments, and and stuff that you need to break that tension. And I mean, it speaks very very highly of his directing style and his writing as well, that he can get these foreign language films, and you know Netflix buys them, they bring them over to our countries, mm-hmm. and they still it, we still it still all resonates with us, and that shows the mark of a really fantastic filmmaker. Yeah. Oh, the director absolutely. The director for Okja was Jun Ho Bong. It's like I always say, Bong Ho Jun. I'm I'm always screwing that one up, and I feel like such a fucking idiot when I do that. <laughs> Gosh, I think I think you're doing good just for watching them, man, because most people wouldn't even wouldn't even bother. Yeah, you know. So it's great that we actually get to see these these foreign movies, and you know, just like like Okja and and the Psychokinesis and Train, they just all they're all so great, and I, it's um it's a, a privilege to be able to watch them because these movies are awesome. And I totally agree. If they get a shot at like a Western film, give them the money. Let's see what these guys can do. Yeah, like I I uh, reviewed just a couple weeks ago uh, the Japanese film Before We Vanish, uh, which is a yeah. Yoshi Kurosawa film, and it's 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 a fantastic. 
fantastic movie. And like I, the reason I went over that is because like American audiences were not seeing these films typically unless we kind of like somebody tells us about it and recommends it. So like that's what this, that's what, that's what good pop, bad pop this segment's about is like, Absolutely, like what you're doing here, Dan, trying to get people to watch Psychokinesis and and me with Before We Vanish and Harmon. You've brought up some really great stuff in the past too. So, I mean, you know, with uh, some obscure animes and some things that I never would have heard of, have you not brought them up? So, um, speaking of Harmon, what do you got for us, man? Oh boy. <laughs> Uh, so uh, the first thing I have is a show that's on Netflix called The New Legends of Monkey. It is. Oh. Oh, are you familiar with it, Dan? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was uh, really excited to hear you talk about this because I was thinking about checking it out. It's uh, it's a whole lot of fun. Uh, I'm going to give it a super high taste it. Um, I'm, I think, four episodes in, and it could well be a Tupperware by the time I'm done with the series. Nice. Uh, it is a New Zealand production, and it's kind of like a spiritual successor to the series just called Monkey, which was a Japanese show that came out in the kind of like the late seventies. And it's a ton of fun. It's based off the, the book journey to the West, which is a, an ancient like Chinese novel. And it's about the monkey King. And there's this girl who she's raised by the scholar and they have to find the monk who can free the monkey King from his stone like tomb. And uh, that monk is supposed to be named Tripitaka and she watches like this is light spoilers for the first episode um but she kind of watches everybody else die and she takes on the mantle of Tripitaka and you know shaves her head and dresses like a monk and ends up freeing the monkey king and the whole mythology is that all the all the gods have disappeared there are no more gods and demons kind of like run the earth and she was taught by the scholar that the monkey king can bring the gods back and things aren't always quite as they seem and maybe the monkey king might have been responsible for the gods leaving in the first place um it's such a fun ride though this show has a ton of charm it's not the best like cg in the uh (laughs) that i've seen in a show that it's almost comical at times how bad the cg can be (laughs) Yeah, I saw that on the trailer. <laughs> when he's flying on his cloud, I was oh, like... Oh, jeez, it's so oh. bad. <laughs> but there's a certain charm to it that... um, I It almost feels like they're doing it on purpose to kind of throw back to, like, the cheese of the, you know, 70s martial arts movies. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's fantastic. I highly recommend it. It's just a lot of fun, something to throw on and just kind of kick back and watch. The Legend of Monkey? Yep, the new legends of monkey. The new, the new legends of monkey. Okay, so this comes out of New Zealand. Yep, I'm definitely gonna watch this. I loved the uh, the Almighty Johnsons. I don't know. Did you? Did either of you guys watch the Almighty Johnsons? I remember you talking about it, and I haven't been able to find it. This okay. is, that's the New Zealand series where the people are like gods. Yeah, it's they're they're Norse gods like Thor, yeah. Odin, and okay. Loki. It's it is it is fantastic, and it was on Netflix for a while, and it, I think it went three seasons, possibly four. But I, I mean, when I watched the final episode, it was almost like, oh gosh, you know, like. We we complain over here in the states that like season like shows have too many seasons, but like yeah. a show like that where it's like 
just like a few seasons and it's gone. You're just kind of, you, you, you're kind of left wanting more. And, uh, I miss those actors. Like I've seen like a couple of them do a couple other things. Like one of them was one of the dwarves in, um, you know, the Hobbit films. Um, the other actor played like Hugh Hefner in the Amazon, you know, Hugh Hefner playboy, uh, documentary slash I don't know what to call it because there was acting like a, involved too. like a mockumentary uh, like spinal tap kind of thing no it, it uh, I wouldn't say that it was like a comedy but um, he what, the 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 character the of Axel um, the actor that played Axel on the Almighty Johnsons if you watched he was in that he he played Hugh Hefner in that series but um, <laughs> nice. Yeah, I, the the new Legends of Monkey. I got to check this out, man. It sounds like right up my alley, like something that I would dig. I was going to say, Holmes, um, how is the guy that plays Pigsy in this? Oh, man, he, <laughs> he is hilarious. Um, Good. <laughs> a, so Pigsy has... The, I don't want to give like a spoiler for people who, who want to check this out, but he has a very interesting arc in like the first three or four episodes yeah uh him dealing with a uh, a demon lady that he's kind of romantically involved with oh brilliant and uh he it's funny because like <laughs> so like one of the things is that he and this this demon lady they just keep talking about how they're gonna tickle each other's feet and it's <laughs> right. like the weirdest way that they say it it is so bizarre but it's like oh yeah i need you to kill this guy and I'll let you tickle my feet. <laughs> but, uh, but man, yeah, he's, he's a great, uh, he plays the role of Pigsy really well. Excellent. Cause I'm, I'm a big fan of, of just like, uh, Journey to the West and like, not, I never actually got the, the old monkey series. I never watched that, but I loved, I just love the mythology involved and I'm a huge fan of, um, Forbidden, oh, Forbidden Kingdom. Oh, the Forbidden Kingdom. So good. That is, oh. that's like the 2000s generation. That's like the millennials karate kid. That's what, that's the way I see that. That movie is just absolutely brilliant. Like from start to finish, I fucking love that film. And then having, you know, like Jackie Chan and, um, that was Jet Li, uh, I Jet believe Li. as well. Yeah, Jet Li in there. That was, uh, seeing those two guys together in a movie is, is just awesome. And do we, we get Monkey in that as well. And when he turns up, I was like, oh shit, <laughs> so cool. Oh, I love Monkey King. I haven't seen that movie probably since it first came out. Dude, I, I probably watch that every kind of like two or three months because it's just one of those things that I just stick on and I'll yeah. just watch it from start to finish. It's a great film. Such a good like family, like, Sunday afternoon movie you can just yeah. sit back and chill and watch it be completely entertained and totally engrossed it's fantastic it's so, so much fun yeah I'm, just, I'm definitely going to check this out I, I really think you'll enjoy it like I said I'm four episodes in and I can't wait to finish it because it's it's just it's so charming it has this very unique feel to it and I mean I, I'm kind of on the same page with you I kind of love the mythology behind Journey to the West and the Monkey King and it just it's great it's something totally different I didn't know this was going to be a thing it just popped up on Netflix one day yeah exactly same here do, let me ask you a quick question do, does he have the Wukong bar does he have his staff and does it extend yes yes okay I'm in <laughs> I'm totally in it sounded really dirty but fine <laughs> I mean <laughs> it extends the way he gets it is pretty interesting um 
And you kind of get to see Monkey, like, not have his powers and then kind of start to earn them back. It's pretty interesting. Ah, sounds great. I'll definitely check this out. All right, Harmon, what else you got for us, man? So uh, I've got a a real quick video game thing as well. (laughs) So uh, this is most likely due because of the closing and liquidation of Toys R Us. But in April of this year, there was a brand new copy of the Sega Game Gear classic Sonic the Hedgehog 2 sold at a retail store. Like, point of sale, some cashier scanned a copy of this game and sold it brand new. And this isn't, like, coming from a a used game store or, like, a a secondhand store, anything like that. This is a brand new game that was probably sitting under a shelf for, like, 26 years. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) And it had to be reported because it was a point of sale. And the fact that that popped up is just fantastic. And it, it was still in their inventory. Yeah. Oh, that's I mean, unreal. I imagine that it was probably like they're not certain where it came from, but that, yeah. that's the assumption, and that's why it popped up on the system. Is that it was probably from one of the the Toys R Us store closing, and it was either under a shelf that hadn't been moved in you know twenty five years, or it was on a back shelf in the back room somewhere. And it just got brought out to get rid of, and someone actually bought it. Oh, my gosh. Nice. <laughs> did you buy it? <laughs> I wish <laughs> I did. I, I would have bought it in half a heartbeat. Like, it's, a, it's, a, it's not actually a really bad game. Uh, it was a really shitty port. But uh, the fact that someone bought it is just fantastic. And it makes you wonder what else is sitting around in a shelf somewhere. You know. <laughs> is there a brand new 2600 just stashed in oh you know some babbages or something who knows i it's it's <laughs> seeing toys r us go out of business is it's a sign of the times um it's sad for me toys r us really i don't know what it is for kids anymore but for me it was like when we were a kid it was a magical place and i'm not just saying that like just to say it like toys r us he had toys and it was it was it was always an event it was the first store that i remember as a child that had the 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 doors that would open automatically um, oh, oh wow. wow. It was the, that was the first store that did it. And, um, this, I'm talking like early eighties, I'm probably five. And every time we would go there as a, ch- as a five-year-old, I, my aunt would take me every time she took me and my sister out to like eat or something like that with my uncle, Bob. And I would always jump up to where I knew the sensor was. And when it would open, I would say, <laughs> I would say open sesame every time. <laughs> Oh, Absolutely, so he was so cute as a kid, Brian. What happened? This is yeah, exactly what happened. Yeah, gosh, yeah. That's that's for me. That's between me and my therapist. But, uh, I was a sweet little boy. Um, if you want to, th- if you want to know what I look like as a little boy, look at DJ from Roseanne when he was a little boy. That's exactly what I looked like when I was a little kid. Oh. <laughs> so my brother always tells me that I used to look like Bobby from fucking King of the Hill. So. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I hate you, Tom. <laughs> when you, when you would walk into Toys R Us in the early eighties. 
they used to have all the really cool, at least the one in here, they used to have all the really cool toys, um, the high-end toys in this gigantic glass case. And, and like, you know, like it was like when you saw those toys in the glass case out front, you were just like, these are the toys for the rich kids. They had like, (laughs) (laughs) yes, video game consoles. They had, um, remote control boats. I remember one time there was a cartoon and a toy called Max Steel and it was these robots and, um, they made a three foot tall, remote control max steel robot and they had that thing out front like this thing like you could program it to move its arms you could have it you could program it you could like have it move around your house the thing would carry a tray and you could have like drinks served you and shit i'm sure when you got it home it was a piece of shit but back in like 1980 like three or four seeing this robot i was just like oh my gosh like this like richie rich like that's what the kind of kids own this thing and and um you can sometimes they sell them on ebay and uh but back then it was just it was an insanely priced toy but like these were the things that were like in that glass case at the front like you i would sit there and look at all the stuff in the glass case like literally for like you know like 10 15 minutes before i like made my way through and looked at the bicycles and like you know the figures and stuff like that but man it's it's there's a whole generation and i don't know if kids do that anymore man you know like i don't know if kids go to the toy store like that and run around and like they're just like you know their imagination i i don't know i don't know if kids are just playing video games and sitting on ipads all day you know yeah i I can only assume that's what they're doing they're just like window shopping through the internet because i remember in our toys R us over here it was the only store that was big enough if you wanted a new bike, mm-hmm. you would go in, you would ride it around the, like, the bike area and the corridor in the store to try it out yeah. before you bought it. Where the hell does that happen anymore? Nowhere. No. <laughs> we, nowhere. Oh. No, yeah. I bought my first, my, my dad obviously got me my first BMX there and I was riding that round to try it out. But the thing I always remember about Toys R Us aside from going past all the Batman plastic figures and my dad telling me that they were plastic crap and I wasn't allowed to buy any um, which was, you know, that's the one for my therapist um, <laughs> in the in the glass cases in, in our ones, they had all of the video games and you couldn't touch any of the video games they had all of these like paper tickets that you would pick out yes i know exactly what you're talking about yeah (laughs) and then you take that to the counter Mm -hmm. and then the guy would go into the warehouse out back and then he'll pull your game for you or if you were really lucky they would have an enormous like chest of drawers in this particular area and they would pull it out and there would be hundreds and hundreds of video games in there that they would just pull out like your SNES cartridges and go there you go there's Maximum Carnage (laughs) it's like yes it was an event dude it It always was it was absolutely it's not like it's not going to be like that for kids growing up anymore which is sad and it's like I remember we had three big toy stores um Toys R Us, of course. We had Children's Palace, which outside the front of it looked like a white castle. The the, the, the store looked like a gigantic white castle. And wow. uh, it was called Children's Palace. And then, of course, we had KB Toys. And um, going to any one of those. I remember we'd go to uh, Children's Palace and pick up video games for the Atari system. And just like you were saying, like, they would, they would open up a drawer and there were, like, tons of, like, cartridges. And, like, I remember, like, the old, we had, we didn't have the 2600, we had the Atari 400. Um, 
which had supposedly had better graphics, but the problem with it was it didn't have like the game selection that the 2600 did. But yeah. um, I remember, I remember like getting a new game for the 400 and going home and like just, just like looking at the artwork on the box back then was like an event. Just like, oh my yeah. gosh, oh, look, the artwork is amazing for like Centipede and all Space Invaders and even the Pac-Man art, artwork was just amazing. So. It's, it's yeah, sad that no <laughs> Toys R Us is like it's like, the, like I'm seeing like stores closing emails. I'm getting emails that stores are closing. I'm seeing the the signs all over the place. It's sad. Yeah, it I think sad. I think the 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 I say the best thing, but like the only good thing that I saw out of like like Toys R Us closing is that they someone created a Twitter for Jeffrey the giraffe, and it said. I wish all you bitches would stop whining about us closing down so none of you fuckers came and bought yeah, anything e- from us. Exactly. <laughs> it's like you can moan all you like, but how do you keep a store like up and running? You yeah. go there and you buy shit and yep. everyone just Amazon. Do, that's what you do now. Yeah. So, you know, if we've you got no one to blame it, like, but ourselves. I remember as a kid getting the Toys R Us like Christmas book. Oh, God. And flipping through and like circling like oh i want this i want this and then i would give that to my you know give that to my parents or give it to my grandma whatever and i imagine kids these days are just making amazon wish list yeah put it on the you wish know? list yeah <laughs> absolutely it's yeah the same here's my amazon wish list and i remember flipping through do you remember i i remember flipping through like the the jc penny catalog and the sears catalog like when you'd get to like the action figures like the gi joe the transformers they would have like these amazing like like layouts, like with um, uh, like forest dioramas and stuff like that, where they'd have like the figures, like actually like in the tanks, like you know, going through the jungle and some of some in the desert. They'd have like the winter vehicles, like all in like the snow kind of like uh, setting and stuff like that. They like went all out for these ads. They're they're absolutely amazing. Oh yeah, and that's a job that doesn't exist anymore. Being no. that fucking photographer, no, you know yeah. you won't see that. <laughs> By the time I was like 12, 13, I was just flipping through those magazines to get to the lingerie section so I could take <laughs> off. So but. I was, was going to go there, but I didn't yeah. know if we were keeping it, this pure. It was a, no, yeah, no, no, of course not. It was, a, it was a different kind of wish list when I got, to, when I got to a little older. Oh my God. Yeah. Like when my mom used to get the, the Fredericks of Hollywood lingerie books were just really dirty, but I loved it when my mom got those in the mail. Like, wow. Like, you know. <laughs> you get you get to that age where you're going to the toys, and then you go back yeah. to the lingerie, yeah. and then you get a bit older, then you go lingerie toys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we have a little moment of silence for Toys R Us, and oh man, it's just sad. But uh, you know, hey, we had that was part of my childhood. Fuck these kids growing up now. I guess we're all we're all doomed. Yeah. Fuck well, them. KB's <laughs> is coming back, so we'll see how that does. KB Toys is coming back. Yeah, uh, really? it was actually in the works before the announcement with Toys R Us closing. And then once Toys R Us announced, hey, we're done, uh, KB made their announcement. I forget what company owns the right to the name KB Toys. Okay. But they were going to open up stores like inside of malls and shopping centers. Yeah, malls and shopping centers are dying anyway. So I know, that's a bummer. Jeez Louise, yeah, that is sad. It's, uh, I, KB Toys, what I remember about KB Toys, the one that we had here, is they had the giant overstuffed dolls in KB Toys when I was a kid. Kind of like if you go to a, uh, oh, I can't, what's the, um, uh, toy store that's featured in Big? 
the Tom oh, Hanks film. Yeah, I don't remember what it was called. Yeah, it's like initials something. I can't remember. And I know, don't email me, guys. By the time you email and send it to me, <laughs> I've already looked it up and I know what it is. All right. Actually, I'm going to pause so I don't have to get that. Schwartz. <laughs> yeah, so it's FAO oh. Schwartz. We found it. So, yeah, you can put your keyboards down. Little keyboard warriors. <laughs> I know what the F and the O stand for in FAO Schwartz. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah. So KB Toys was like FAO Schwartz. Well, they, they yeah. have they, kind of. FAO Schwartz is that that in itself is amazing. I've been to I've been to a couple FAO Schwartz before. Like the one in Vegas, like out front, like the entrance is a giant tro- like a giant wooden toy Trojan horse. It's, wow. It's like two levels. The store is two levels. It was like right next to the Cheesecake cheesecake Factory. Um, and uh, so, I mean, you could get your cheesecake and then go shop for toys. But like you could have – you could like build your own puppets. You could make – girls could make like their own dolls. Um, they had like uh, all the cool like uh, – instead of like the power wheels, like they had like basically like – these were like miniature versions of real cars, like like real Ferraris. Um, it's insane. And then they had um, all the like the animals that you could think of, like that are some of them are almost life size, like lions and tigers, and these stuffed animals are just unreal. And then they had a nice. like they had a, like an ice cream shop in there, like an old timey ice cream shop. And then they had all the candy that you could ever think of. FAO Schwartz is just like, it's an amazing. And of course they had like the, the big piano that you can dance on just like in big. I was going to say, did anyone get on the big piano and do heart and soul? I tried. I, I'm just not musically inclined. So I just basically <laughs> just jumped around a lot. <laughs> I, I did that in New York. Me and Kat did it. It yeah. was like, must have been like the sixth millionth person to do that. But for me, it was very special. That's awesome. Yeah. So, all right, let's, um, Let's wrap this little part here. Um, we're going to take a quick break and come back and talk about Cobra Kai. Woo! Probably should let everybody know that Rebecca's not with us anymore because we didn't do that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, she was having some uh, internet snafus. So, yeah, she had to bounce out early. So, uh, wish she could have been here for the, this next part because uh, we're def- we're going to be talking about Cobra Kai, the new YouTube Red series. It's set 30 years after the events of the 1984 All-Valley Karate Tournament. The series focuses on Johnny Lawrence reopening the Cobra Kai dojo, which causes his rivalry with Daniel LaRusso to be reignited. So this is based off the Karate Kid series, uh, of course made famous by uh, Pat Morita and Ralph Macchio. 
And um, I, Harmon, me and you, and, and Rebecca as well, went to the uh, premiere event at Fathom Events. Rebecca actually, uh, to her surprise, was – and that's why I wish she could have been here too to talk about this. But uh, Ralph Macchio and William Zapka, the stars of the series, were at her showing. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, so it's one of the perks of living in a big city like that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so great. So yeah, we both went to the Fathom event. I don't know about you, but I, I was kind of surprised that they showed the, the two the series first. The series first, and it was not just one episode, but it was two episodes. And the first two episodes of uh, Cobra Kai, and then they showed the movie, and I actually kind of preferred it that way, to be honest with you. Oh, for sure. I was expecting to see the movie first yeah. and then see the show. And when they when they aired the the show first, that was a really pleasant surprise. And I think there's a lot of people who just kind of wanted to see the see the new series first anyway and not have to rewatch the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, we had a couple of people leave after after the show and then they they didn't stick around for the movie. So um, what did you think about this uh, Cobra Kai, Harmon? Oh man! Um, I know you've, you've okay. Me and you have both watched the entire series. Dan, you've watched the first two. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So it's a ten episode series. And Dan, you wanted to watch the whole thing, but unfortunately, it's just not all available there. They only gave you guys the first two episodes, which is bizarre. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, do you want me to go first? Because yeah, we'll have don't you go. Have f- that much to say. <laughs> we'll have you go first. Now that's yeah. That's, okay. So yeah, I watched the first two episodes back to back. Um, Mainly because, uh, one, I was intrigued, but it was the trailer, man. That trailer, because you guys have been talking about this for a long time, Mm -hmm. and I have also been kind of shitting on it in my own head. It's like, we don't need this. All this sort of stuff is going to be terrible. And this trailer came out, and I was like, right, I am in. I was like, I am fucking in. It's a really interesting take on Johnny as a character, and the trailer seemed to make Daniel look like the bad guy, and they got all of his, like, asshole bits from the first couple of episodes and put those in the trailer, and I was like, this is this looks great, and it made me laugh, and the action looked really good. So, I, I, got, I got stuck in straight away, and I absolutely love this so damn much. I totally Tupperware it, it's um yeah it this is how you need to carry on like the story of these characters and having it set you know it being really like grounded in like this day and age and having these characters who for their different reasons are kind of stuck in the past a little bit like daniel because that's the only thing he refers to is like winning the tournament and his, his fucking car company they're always talking about you know we shop prices and things like that and they're giving <laughs> they're giving out free bonsai trees with every fucking purchase that was hilarious and obviously johnny down on his luck he's you know he's a bit of a broken guy he's a hell of, he's actually a hell of a mess at the beginning of this and um i just i i loved um oh, what's the guy's name the the guy that plays johnny uh william, oh, uh, william zabka yeah yeah zabka that's the one that always gets me um yeah i thought he was great in this and having it follow him as the main character at least at the beginning of these two two episodes i thought was a genius move and i i just love the way this is going it seems like 
like in the trailers that I saw that he's going to bring in all of the kind of like the nerds and the kids that can't defend themselves and he's going to teach them the way of Cobra Kai the, the you know strike first strike hard no mercy sort of policy so yeah I, I, I love this um, love the soundtrack um, loved seeing all the actors back and uh, just think it's a really interesting way to go so I Tupperware this nice Harmon yeah what are you thinking man Oh man, you know they they've brought, tried to bring back a lot of older properties and this is how you bring back an old property. This show was fucking made for me. Like I I Tupperware as high as I can Tupperware anything. This show was so damn good. Um you know when I saw the the first trailer, I wasn't initially like totally hooked. Um I love the Karate Kid franchise. I'm a huge fan of those first 3 films. And uh I think it was the second trailer where you saw Johnny and he's in the Firebird and he he puts in the cassette, he puts down those sunglasses, and I was like, okay, this is this is gonna be good. <laughs> and uh, man, oh man, I think it was right in the first episode, it kicks in with a Motley Crue song, yep. and I was like, fuck yeah, dude, I'm sold. Like, <laughs> you got my money, YouTube. Here you go. Um, I I just love Johnny in this. Like, he's just a dude and. He is who he is, and I, I love that he's unapologetic about who he is. And Daniel is still Daniel. He's still a hothead, and he, you know, still does stuff that aggravates people. And uh, man, seeing where they've gone in life and how, for some reason, things keep kind of bringing them back together, it it was just the biggest Tupperware I've seen in a long time. This show it hit all the right buttons. I mean, it was firing in all cylinders. The soundtrack is great. I mean, it's it's perfect. So you're you're giving it a high taste at then? Oh, fuck <laughs> off! <laughs> oh man, yeah, this uh, two Tupperwares, and like I'm gonna echo that. This is a Tupperware. This is fantastic, yes. man. Like I. Uh, Dude, like, right out of the gate, like, William Zapka is absolutely amazing, returning as Johnny, getting to know this character a little bit more, and, like, where he is in his life now, and it, like, part of it, part of it's sad, because, like, he's driving around in his, like, Firebird listening to Motley Crue, and I'm thinking to myself, Brian, you drive around in your Camaro listening to Poison, like, this is... This is this is you. This is like so fucked up, and and so you know, um, yeah. I, I listened to the crew. I listened. I listened to like all like Guns and Roses, like all the shit that he's into. And then you know, sometimes I come back and kick back with a few beers and pass out, so I can go to sleep. <laughs> so, so I was like, oh my god, Brian, you're sad. Um, but. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, dude, the soundtrack is absolutely amazing. Like, they don't, this is Nike, I was worried about this being on YouTube Red. I, the first trailer did not sell, sell me because it, it was a teaser trailer and we still didn't know what to expect. But I remember yeah. after I saw that second trailer, my excitement level was through the roof. We actually paused on that episode and Jake and Eric Wade watched it. They came back and then raved about the trailer and how amazing it was. I love the fact that they're like, they're not pulling any punches. Like, you know, like Johnny's calling these kids pussies and he's, and, 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 and I mean, you know, but, but on the flip side, like these kids are learning from him and he's learning from them. And it's, it's an amazing dynamic. I love Miguel. I, I don't care. 
as you watch the series, you know, all the, a lot of these characters change and some of them, you know, change in different ways. I love Miguel. Absolutely love Miguel. And I don't want to get into too many spoilers, but, um, the ending of the, when you get to the end of this, it is absolutely what I wanted. It's what I wanted. And then some, like they give you a little bit more, um, that you were not expecting. And it was a fist pumping moment for me. And the music, the music is amazing. I love, like they brought back that, the song that they had when, uh, Daniel and Allie went on their first date to the golf, the golfing, the golf and stuff, golf and stuff. Like yeah. they brought back the same song when there's another couple on a date there. And it's, and I was just like, I don't care that this is playing to fan service. I love it. And I'm having a lot of fun. Um, That's the thing. It's fan service done the right way. Yeah. Like it just works. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's not. It's not nostalgia for me. It's not nostalgia for nostalgia's sake. It's like when they intersperse clips from the original movie into this. It's at parts where characters are remembering things that happened. The, the main one that uh, that I absolutely adored was when you know Johnny is he's getting drunk. He's behind the wheel of his car. Don't drink and drive, kids. And he's like having all these flashbacks to like the really good times of like when he was a kid and like being older guys we I'm, I'm sure you guys Jacob Harmon you're not that fucking old but <laughs> you know like Brian you know you and me you, I'm sure you've had those moments as well you you, you know you're sort of just like reminiscing about stuff and yeah. like a song will like kick off a memory or something and you like see it clear as day and you just see his reaction on his face when he's driving along he's thinking about these great times he had when he was younger and then he's also thinking about getting kicked in the face by Daniel LaRusso he's like oh that yeah. sucked and it's just you know those little clips and bringing back the original film are done really tastefully and they're not they're not cheap shots or anything it's it's just so well made and I'm really looking forward to seeing where the story goes in this because I find it incredibly interesting the difference between these guys that grew up as kids in the 80s hanging out with these like these millennials so like you know daniel with his kids and obviously johnny with the kids that are going to be in in the cobra kai dojo and i mean even in the first two episodes you immediately get that sense when he says like you know stop being acting like a pussy why don't you grow some balls and the guy's like that's the you know do you think that's a little like offensive to like genders and stuff? <laughs> it's like this is genius writing. <laughs> so just like slapping you around the face with the total difference between like what people are supposed to be saying nowadays and what you know was was the way that everyone used to speak and the clash of those two different worlds is, is really interesting to see those people interact especially in johnny because he doesn't give a fuck yeah. <laughs> that makes me laugh it's so it's so good um oh god i lost my train of thought um i just got caught up in what you were saying but uh, that's okay man like yeah. the kid like daniel's kids oh my god like like his son in one of the scenes that I saw is just like this amazing party and his kids were like jumping off the, the diving boards into the pool and everyone's going crazy all the parents are like having nice drinks and chilling out and his son is just like at a table with his big like laptop and just like playing a game and he's just like he says don't you want to go in the pool and he's like no and then he goes, the kid just goes, I'm thirsty and he goes well there's a bar over there you can get yourself a drink and he looks and goes no I'm alright 
and it's just like you know this this polar opposite of people's like uh, the way people grew up as kids it, yeah. I, I actually really enjoy seeing those those two things juxtaposed on the screen like that it, and it, it, it i think it'll be um enlightening for kids watching it if anyone if any of the kids do watch this uh, what you know we all used mm-hmm. to get up to as kids that's that's what's really good about the show too is because the first one focused on daniel and like you know, uh, Johnny and Allie and like the kids in the high school and everything like that. And like this one doesn't just like, okay, it's a karate kid story. So it's only going to focus on the adults because it's, you know, uh, Daniel and Johnny are back. Um, I mean, it focuses on the kids too and, and their kids going to high school and all those things. And it blends everything really well. And I love the kids in the dojo. I love, uh, the, what, what happens at school. Um, I love Miguel. I'm a huge fan of Miguel. I love this kid. And, um, man, I just had so much fun watching this series. I'm going to say one thing um, that's it's not too spoilery. It's really not. It's just a small thing that I absolutely loved was the scene of Daniel and Johnny in the bar together just talking about Allie and Facebook creeping her. <laughs> oh, man. You can tell. Man, Johnny fucking loved that. Girl. Yeah, yeah. And, like, she was Elizabeth's shoe. I mean, yes. who didn't? But, oh, like, gosh. man. <laughs> Yeah, that's the that's one of the first things he says in defense of himself as well. When he says, "Oh yeah, you know, when they meet in the car lot in the first yeah. episode and Daniel goes, you know, yeah, this guy made my life a living hell when I was a kid." And he just went, "Well, yeah, well, you did steal my girl." Like immediately. That was exactly what he said. And that is like his defense. Like this guy comes in from a like he moves in and he moves in on his girl and of course he's going to be angry and take it out of him and that was one of the things i found really interesting is seeing johnny's side to his life when he was a kid it just makes so much more sense and it, it like even when he says that like the, the crane kick to the face was an illegal hit in the rules yeah so he shouldn't have won it's like he got a penalty point and daniel won it's like oh my god he's completely correct yeah it's like it's fucking brilliant yeah it's great uh i love hawk Big fan of Hawk. I had I had no idea that the kid who became Hawk was that same kid. Neither did I, man. And I'd seen that kid in the trailer. <laughs> like that blew my mind. My, and me Hawk too. Was just cool. Like he was fucking nuts. Like <laughs> <laughs> at one point he's like, "Oh no, you want to get cool? Just get a tattoo." And he rips off his shirt. Like, oh my god! I was like, "What in the hell? This is crazy!" <laughs> I, it's it's fantastic, Dan. I can't wait for you so to finish. I, I I of course I watched the first two episodes like Harmon in the theater, and then I just that I think it was Friday. I just knocked out the rest of the episodes in like just two sittings. So yeah. I just killed it. I was gonna do that today, man. Is like I watched the first two, then I recorded with Scott, and then I was literally gonna go back and just start watching it again. I was going to try and get it all knocked out today because I I just wanted more. And Kat isn't like a huge fan of Karate Kid, not as much as we are, but she absolutely loved this show. She was like, "Yeah, we'll definitely watch it." <laughs> it, it, it it's crazy, man. But that, that's how good this is. It was it someone is. that's she's she's not too familiar with it, but she watched it when she was younger. But she just thought it was a really good show, and yeah. I think that speaks volumes as well. I am impressed with YouTube Red and what they've done with this series, and uh, now I'm interested in like the the Elizabeth Olsen series that's going to be coming out. You know, I mean, 
I'm not saying like it's going to be as amazing as this. It's going to be something completely different. But like YouTube Red is coming out swinging with this series. This was awesome. Like this is definitely worth at least doing the free trial of YouTube Red. And like if they can continue to make stuff at uh, at this level, um, I don't think they'll ever be on the same. You know, they'll ever be able to compete with like Netflix or Amazon Prime. But like a lot of people, if you're wanting like alternative content, like this might be the place to go. So. Yeah, it was it was a holy shit moment in the first ten minutes. I just I was like, I can't believe this is as good as it actually is. I just yeah. it just blew my mind. It was so damn good. Yeah. Any final thoughts on this, Harmon? Before we move on into news. I mean, if you like, uh, like you mentioned that there is that free one month trial with with YouTube Red. Yeah. Uh, if you still have that trial, this is the perfect time to use it. Yeah. You know, yeah. give this show a go and then see the. See maybe if it's you know worth keeping the YouTube Red around because I think it's like ten bucks a month, um, and I'm I'm happy to see what's going to come in the future from YouTube Red. I know they've got a bunch of other original programming, but maybe seeing not only what season two of Cobra Kai could bring, but if this does well enough, which it's getting nothing but good reviews. I haven't heard any bad reviews of this. Yeah, who knows what the next big series from YouTube Red could be? Ah, oh, give me that Saved by the Bell revival. Please. Oh man, I'm there. I want to know what happened to Screech, man. No, that's the diamond. No, 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 I don't. You can leave him out of the series, but like everybody else, I would love to see come back. Yeah, this is uh, um, the meta score for this is uh, 72 at the moment, but it's like a 9.2 on IMDb. Yeah, Uh, you know, everyone's just going crazy for this, and rightly so, man. It's that good. I mean, if you even if you have used up your free trial, I would honestly recommend dropping those ten dollars just to watch this. I honestly think it's worth it. So we're absolutely we're definitely getting a season two. It's happening. Yes, I mean they haven't announced it officially, but like. It like it's open. It's it's definitely left open. They want to do a season two, and I think with uh, the reception that it's getting, and hopefully YouTube Red getting a lot more subscribers, um, that this uh, that maybe this will take off, and and we'll get a season two announcement here real soon. So yeah, Cobra Kai. I hope we get Elizabeth Shue in season two. Oh, would that be fantastic? So. Oh, I just I've just seen the score on. Um uh, Rotten Tomatoes. Want to have a guess what it is? This is the critic score. Okay, it's a hundred percent. Yeah. Holy yeah, shit! That's really yeah. Ninety-eight percent for the viewers, but hundred percent for critics. That's fantastic. Yeah, I was kind of hoping like that, like the seasons would kind of line up with even like the movies and like maybe the next film. Like you know, Daniel will take a trip to Okinawa. You know, so. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm, I don't know. That's silly. It is kind of silly, but whatever. And uh, well, I, can... I think uh, in the third movie, Terry Silver said that the Cobra Kai karate came from Korea. So maybe now Johnny goes to Korea to learn some ancient Cobra Kai stuff. Oh, that'd be so fantastic. <laughs> Hire me, YouTube. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, <laughs> all right, guys, we're going to jump into Pop Culture Leftovers news. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it. It's a lift of a news and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangsta as fuck, yo. It's gangsta as fuck, yo. All right. Uh, you know, um, last week's episode, it was 100% dedicated solely to the Avengers Infinity War. So we didn't get to go over a lot of the things that happened at uh, CinemaCon uh, in Las Vegas. So I, I did want to talk a little bit about the Paramount pe- presentation and how their films are shaping up this year. 
And uh, I'm not going to spend too much time on it, but I did want to talk about a few of these films that came out. And I know this is not like a favorite of yours, Dan, but it, I want to talk about Mission Impossible Fallout coming out. Oh, okay. Yeah. And um, Harmon, are you a fan of the Mission Impossible films? Oh, for sure. I mean, I love action movies and they're... There's some great action in those films. Yeah. I'm not a, I wish I was, but I'm not just, I'm not a huge fan of the James Bond films. I, I, I did love, um, there's a couple. Casino? No, I didn't like it. I didn't, I don't like any of it. I, that's the only Daniel Craig movie that I did see. I'll be honest with you. So I didn't see the, the next two. Um, I did like, uh, Pierce Brosnan, I think in, what was the Golden movie? Eye? Golden Eye. I did like that one. And, but I'm just not a big James Bond guy. Uh, and, and, and I know a lot of people are, and I'm, and that's just me. And I'm not trying to take any way, thing away from the fandom and say, like, you're wrong for liking James Bond. Like, I totally get it. Like, awesome, awesome cars, awesome, you know, spy inventions and stuff like that. It's just not my thing. And, um, but I am a huge fan of this Tom Cruise Mission Impossible franchise. I'm not like the biggest Tom Cruise fan, but I think that he is a spectacular actor. Um, I, I really do. I think he's incredible. I think there's not a lot that he can do wrong these days. He's, he's proven himself as an actor to me. And, um, it's, they talked at the CinemaCon and they showed some of the action sequences in this new Mission Impossible Fallout film and the sequences performed by Cruz in these films are they're top notch, and in this one, from the sounds of the footage that was shown, it's only going to be more of that in this film. Just over the top, crazy action. And remember, Cruz in most of his films is performing; he's doing the stunts on his own, which is crazy because the guy's like fifty years old now. And they talked about in the footage they you see Tom Cruise and Henry Cavill they jump out of a plane at thirty thousand feet. And while they're falling, they're trying to do these synchronized aerial moves that have to hit very specific marks. So, I mean, that right there is amazing. Uh, the plane action sequence, it took over a hundred jumps and over six weeks to complete this. And they shot the sequence for over a month. And Jesus, Tom, that's insane. It is insane. The, the amount of, of detail and, and the stunt crew and, and just, and just like uh, the dedication that they have, Tom Cruise would practice the jump sequence up to seven times a day, they said, and they could only do the stunt real time for three minutes a day when the outdoor lighting was just right. So they had to wow. get, they had to do it just right. And apparently out of like the 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 hundred jumps and 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 all these scenes that they shot only three of them worked and they finally got what they needed but oh my yeah gosh. they talked about we've seen a little bit of it in the trailer but they talked about an extended sequence showing Tom Cruise on a motorcycle and he's weaving in and out of cars at super high speeds with a with a with a helmet on and this is happening in Paris downtown Paris and like this just they they've this movie just sounds incredible it sounds incredible the tra- the first trailer just blew me away like i everything from the music selection to the the helicopter stunt to every it just 
this movie just looks incredible. And uh, Rebecca Ferguson is coming back to do this one. She was amazing in the last movie. And she's going to be at odds with uh, with Ethan this time. And I am just super excited for Mission Impossible Fallout. It comes out in July. And uh, I cannot wait to see this movie. I'm going to see it in IMAX. I've got to. So. Yeah. I mean, I the thing is, man. I know you said I'm not a big fan. I'm not a big fan of the later ones. I I really like number one, and I like number three. Mm. But two and everything after that, I I could just leave that. Oh, stop that! You, did you see five? Uh, yeah, I've seen. Oh, one. Rebecca Ferguson was incredible in that film. Yeah, I, uh, just, yeah. I, I thought. Uh, I just think that everything after three is just terrible. Uh. But but. I saw the trailer for this yeah. when I watched, hmm, can't remember what it was, it wasn't Infinity, it was, I think it was Ready Player One, and I just turned to my brother and I just went, huh, I think I'm going to go watch that, <laughs> <laughs> because it just, it, I can't knock it for its spectacle. It looks it, so good. And I, seeing Henry Cavill, like, proper fist fighting someone oh. as well <laughs> with those arms <laughs> with those enormous <laughs> fucking guns and that <laughs> moustache <laughs> it, it just it looked epic it yeah. really did and I, I'm hoping that it's a return to form you know for me with that because the that spy genre is it's really difficult to do very difficult to do right and the first movie was fantastic I mean for fuck's sakes they were practically rolling the Emilio Estevez credits as they killed him right at the beginning of that film. That's a stroke of genius. And, you know, the Philip C, um, Philip Hoffman, um, uh, like villain role yeah, in the was, third movie. He's great. Uh, unbelievable. And Tom Cruise's performance in that. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. Wasn't it JJ, JJ Abrams did the third one, correct? I think you're right. Yeah. 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 It was, that was a, brilliant movie really really good so i'm hoping for me it's a return to form we get that espionage like lots of kind of twisting plot points and a lot of things going on as well as that amazing action that we know that they can do incredibly yeah. well i'm super excited like ving rams is back of course simon Pegg's back uh jeremy renner's gone but now they got cavill and cavill looks like he's gonna be a great addition and rebecca yeah, he's ferguson a, he's is a back. beast in this oh yeah he is a beast oh my god like like he's wearing like that uh you know button-up shirt and like i feel like if he flexed he'd rip that shirt <laughs> like, yeah he's, he's gonna lou ferrigno that shit right yeah. off of his back <laughs> so Harmon, you're excited for this too i'm hoping oh absolutely it actually comes out on my birthday oh nice so uh Happy birthday to me. Happy I'm probably going to go see it in IMAX. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, IMAX it. I mean, that's the only way to see this, in my opinion, with like the level of stunts that they're doing in these films. And uh, Tom Cruise just really puts his body. He he puts his body through a lot when he does these movies. Um, but uh, yeah. the next movie that I wanted to talk about that they they, they screened some footage of uh, at Paramount was Bumblebee, the uh, Transformers film. And a lot of people... In my opinion, Harmon, you were on an episode where we talked about this, and I'm glad that you're back for this one. But a lot of people, in my opinion, have been prematurely kind of dismissing and bashing this movie just because of the Michael Bay films. And 
when it was first announced, I wasn't a huge fan of it because I was thinking like they're just gonna, it's just, yeah, that's exactly what it's gonna be. Then we started to hear more news coming out about it. You know, we started hearing about the Transformers writer's room that they were assembling and like that writer's room had a lot of promise. I was just like, holy shit, they're really getting some good writers involved here. And then we started to get some names, really good names attached to this film. And Michael Bay is only a producer on this. So they just want to have his name on there as a producer because it is Michael Bay. But like now we're getting, uh, we heard that the film's going to be set in 1987. There's going to be a proper Volkswagen. He's going to be a, Double B is going to be a proper Volkswagen bug in this film. They cast Haley Steinfeld, who I loved her in True Grit, loved her in The Edge of Seventeen. And up and coming John Cena. I mean, this guy was great in Trainwreck, really good in Blockers, and he's going to be playing her father. She, he's not the main character in this. This is not a John Cena movie. This is not like The Rock is going to be in Bumblebee and he's like the main character. John Cena, Haley Steinfeld, and Bumblebee are going to be center stage in this movie. And then they got Travis Knight to direct this, and and you can go back um, and listen to our old episodes where I'm like. I warm up to this and all the the news that's coming out to this. I'm actually really looking forward to this. The director, Travis Knight, was the director behind Kubo and the Two Strings, which is one of my favorite movies, animated movies. It was a stop motion animated movie that came out a couple years ago. Like this guy knows what he's doing. So this, this has me very excited. This is supposed to be the story of a girl and her alien car. And they said it's like very, has a very like E.T. Spielbergian feel to it when they watched the footage and they and, and they saw these things. So Deadline, this is what they said. This is what Deadline said about the footage. The video started off with Steinfeld's character Charlie discovering an old yellow VW Bug from her uncle's junkyard. Oh, that must, John Cena must be her uncle. Okay, she begins to inspect the car when it launches into Autobots form. Uh, Bumblebee is initially frightened and shrinks in a corner before Charlie gains his trust. "Quote: I won't hurt you," she says to B. By the end of the meeting, we find out how B gets his name. You sound like a little bumblebee. I'm going to call you that from now on. Um, the film is written by Christina Hodson. And, um, I mean, it's it's a story of this girl, Charlie, who finds an alien Volkswagen bug. And I, guys, I, I, I think that this has the chance to actually be a very, very, very good film, a fun film for for um fans of transformers and then kids it seems like it's going to be a very kid friendly movie as well so i'm i'm going to i'm going to throw this out there and and, and i'm going to try to separate this from the michael bay stuff and say like this isn't like an end of the world scenario and it sounds like a more personal story and i'm kind of all in for this when it releases in december yeah. So you were saying that Michael Bay is just going to be a producer yeah. on this, right? This is Travis Knight. Travis Knight, like he's involved in like um, all these stop motion animation movies that I've been a huge. Yeah, he he was like uh, Par- Coraline. Uh, he did Paranorman. Yeah. Um, so this is all like a lot of like family entertainment stuff this is stuff he's been involved in for yeah, years yeah so that's that's looking very promising man i'm not gonna lie because like you said earlier if anyone talks about anything to do with Michael mm-hmm. Bay transformers if you know anything about anything you know those movies are shit yeah yeah <laughs> they, of course they make they make loads of money sure. because of the spectacle and everything but this, having a different director mm-hmm. and, a, and a new writer yeah uh, I'm excited. I really am. 
Yeah, this is uh, it's a lower budget, um, and I think it is the last of the the Bayformers kind of stuff. So when they do this whole relaunch with the Hasbro brand, um, we're going to get new Transformers. So unless this movie does well, I mean, this movie might even get a sequel after this, and they might continue with it. But um, I, uh, they might not even leave it open for a sequel. But I, I, every, all the buzz coming out of CinemaCon from everybody that got to see the footage said it looks really good. And, uh, good. so, I mean, I, yeah, Harmon, I mean, does this sound like a, a movie that you'd definitely be interested in seeing or not? I mean, this is, this is coming right down my alley. Um, I, I really didn't care for the, the Bay movies. I don't think most of us did. Um, but, I love Bumblebee. I mean, that Volkswagen, that yellow bug is just such an iconic Transformer. And, uh, I mean, talk about one hell of a cast. I mean, yeah. I love Steinfeld. She was so good in Edge of 17. They showed her in, like, the one of the promotional pictures for this, like, with Bumblebee standing there, and she's, like, rocking, like, a Ramones t-shirt. And that's the thing. It's set in the 80s, too. Yeah. And we're... We're in that prime time where there's a lot of stuff being set in the 80s, and I love the 80s, so it's it's perfect. And uh, I'm happy to see that. I love John Cena. I mean, he can do really great comedy work, so maybe he's going to play some of that into this role. Who knows? Um, but I'm I'm totally all in for this, and I I kind of hope that this is the last of the Bay movies, and that it's just a a proper send off for the franchise. Yeah, like like Logan, like let's end you know this on yeah, with, <laughs> exactly with end it on the high good. note. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing, man. Like speaking as three Transformers fans, it, it, by no means do we want this to fail. We're not shitting on it. You know, you won't shit on things just because, just for the sake of shitting on yeah. things. We'll shit on Bayformers because they're terrible, terrible movies. Yeah, yeah. Which have taken, like, one of the greatest animated movies of all time and destroyed it. You know, it's like, but at least we can go back to the original animated Transformers movie and, and love it and yeah. just respect it for the awesomeness that it is. Yeah. So I just hope you know that's that's the thing we hope like so we're, we're all jazzed about this we're excited from the news because we want it to be good i mean there's nothing i like if i i think it's kind of like i don't know it's silly for me to get on here and and just because michael bay is attached as a producer get on here and say oh this sounds like shit fuck michael bay those fucking michael bay movies are garbage but you're yeah. You're telling me that Haley Steinfeld, who I love, is in this movie. Um, you're telling me that Bumblebee's gonna be like a classic VW bug. You're telling me John Cena's gonna be in this film. It's set in the 80s, which we've been begging for, and that it's a more personal story between a girl and a car, and, a, and her car, her alien car. I'm all in. And it's Travis Knight directing this? This is his first live action film. I support this director. I think he's fantastic and i 100 percent am going into this optimistic and hopeful uh michael bay his name's on here as a producer guys that is it he's not going to have his hand in this too much so yeah i'm let's yeah let's take his money and fucking run with this yeah exactly exactly (laughs) that's what we gotta do exactly Exactly. (laughs) uh finally i wanted to talk about overlord uh this is the film that everyone was saying even even we were saying that it was uh going to be the fourth cloverfield uh cloverfield film Ah, oh yes film (laughs) 
Um, people were even calling it Cloverlord for the, <laughs> <laughs> for the longest time. So J.J. Abrams is a producer on the film, and, and we know that it's a, it's a World War II movie set on the eve of D-Day with zombies. Uh, here's what IndieWire said about the film, which is going to be Bad Robot's first R-rated movie. Uh, the film opens in June 1944, the night before Allied Marines invade Normandy on D-Day. Enemy fire attacks a plane full of World War II soldiers and several parachute into the ocean. Survivors trek through the forest and one spots an abandoned Nazi compound and peers through a hole in the wall. A bloody eye leaps into frame. When they enter the hidden experimental lab, they encounter blood-filled syringes a face-eating virus, and a laughing disembodied head. Paramount Pictures chairman and CEO Jim Giannopoulos called the film graphic and intensely primal. Um, Entertainment Weekly said a little bit more of the same. They said the footage shown to audiences follows a group of American soldiers, and it picks up on June 5th, 1944, 12 hours before D-Day. As the soldiers enter enemy territory, they quickly realize that something far more horrifying than your standard war carnage is going on, with shots of dead men hanging from trees, unsettling science experiments, and a woman's decapitated head coming to life and calling for help. Um, Abrams refuted that this film is the fourth in the Cloverfield franchise. Quote, (laughs) it's not a Cloverfield movie. We are actually developing a true, dedicated Cloverfield sequel, which will be coming to you theaters very soon. So um, this, they also said that the footage that was shown looks amazing. Like this looks insanely bizarre. And I am... Like, so, this this movie just sounds insane. It sounds awesome. I cannot wait to see Overlord. I want to see some footage. I got to see a trailer of this World War II with zombies, with Nazis turning into zombies. I, this sounds insane. This sounds incredible. <laughs> yeah, and the cast on this as well is, is, is really good. It's like one particular actor that I'm a big fan of is um, Ian De Castecker who plays Fitz in um, Angels of S.H.I.E.L.D. I think he's probably the best actor in that show. I've always enjoyed his work. And we've got Bookeem Woodbine as well. Oh, it, I love Bookeem Woodbine from Fargo. Yeah, no. Oh, he's great. Yeah. He's an absolutely awesome actor. So, I mean, just with those two in there, I, that that's making me a lot happier. Um, whether or not this is a Cloverfield movie, I don't know. Yeah. Because everything that I've ever seen of this film, that like it, like their promotional material, like they always stretch the letters just like they do in all the other Cloverfield posters. Yeah. So whether or not it is or isn't, I I don't know. It still sounds absolutely awesome. It does, for sure. I'm right there with you, Dan. Like, uh, whether or not it's a Cloverfield movie, I'm just the concept seems so insane. Like, sign me up. I can't wait. What was the video game that I had on PlayStation 3 that I, that was zombies? It was like monsters in World War II. It was called like Resistance or something. I can't remember. I loved that game. I would play the crap out of it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a game. Resistance. Yeah, you got that one right. Is that it? Yeah, that's one. 
for definite. I yeah, love that game. It's like lots of like weird mutated soldiers yes. going around. Oh and- my god! I because I loved. I I played the original Call of Duty games, like the first two that were set in World War Two. Um, yeah, I loved those. And then when this one came out, and it was like zombies or monsters or whatever in World War Two, I loved it as well. So I am super excited for this movie. It's directed by uh, JJ is going to be a producer, of course, but it's directed by uh, Julius Avery. And I want to talk about him in this next story from THR. And it was JJ Abrams and Paramount plot a superhero thriller from Overlord director. So Julius Avery from uh, this is going to be, I think this, this he's doing after he gets done with over, he's done with overlord after they get done with post-production and everything like that. His next movie is going to be a superhero thriller and it's, I think it's going to be his third full feature film. His, his second of course is overlord. His first was this movie called son of a gun, which I have never seen, but I want to. It's about a couple of criminals. They break out of prison, and one of the guys is um, Australia's most famous criminal, and it's played by Ewan McGregor. Wow. Oh, geez. Yeah. And then um, the the main character, played by Brendan Thwaites, joins him for like this huge heist. It's got Alicia Vikander in it from Ex Machina and Tomb Raider. She played Laura Croft. Um, and that movie sounds incredible. I want to watch that. But he's working now on a superhero thriller from J.J. Abrams. I don't have a lot of info on this one, but Julius Avery says uh, he's actually in negotiations to do this film. It's a uh, it's called The Heavy. It's a superhero movie. Abrams Bad Robot is producing. Um, Daniel Casey wrote the script. Um, details are very suppressed. The project is described as a subversive take on the superhero genre. And like the only thing that I can kind of compare this to is maybe like Watchmen or Chronicle. Maybe it's going to be something like that. But yeah, something a bit more cool, sort of ground level, a bit like low, you know, yeah. not like world ending events, but something a little bit more grounded. Yeah, but like I just want to like, I, oh my God, like, okay, I, I, I hope Overlord is awesome, but it just seems like. It seems like I think like JJ has a lot of hope for this Overlord, and like there he's in negotiations to hook up here with Julius Avery again to do another Bad Robots productions. And um, I, you know, we get a lot of like Marvel and DC films, and you know, we're getting a ton of like Marvel films this year, you know, including Deadpool two as well. I mean, and like we're getting the, you know, of course we're getting Aquaman and stuff like that. But like, I do like to see like different takes on superheroes, like. So I, I, you know, I loved Chronicle. I thought Chronicle was absolutely fantastic. And so, um, yeah, this, I want to, I want to see this. This sounds exciting, but I, I want to, yeah, I don't know. There's really not a lot to, to kind of, I just kind of like wanted to make that announcement. There's really, we really don't have a lot of news to go on with that one, unfortunately. So, I mean, I can't answer any questions. I don't even know when they're talking about possibly filming it. So I don't have a lot of news, but, um, Jacob, I wanted to, I asked you to kind of like go over a story that I thought was interesting. Um, the the Hasbro news that came out. Yeah, this is uh wow, this is a big deal. So back in February, uh, Hasbro got the toy rights for the Power Rangers franchise, and in that press release, it was it was clear that they just got the toy rights, but that there were 
you know, considering purchasing more than just the toy rights. And sure enough, it was announced, I think, two or three days ago, Hasbro has now acquired all brand rights for the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. So Saban is out, 100% out. 100% out. And this is the second time he's done this. Uh, he did it. Uh, Saban, he's, he's a very interesting guy. His If you get a chance to look at his history, I mean, he's... He's a self-made billionaire in the uh, in the industry, and it's fascinating. But he owned the Fox Family Network back in the uh, the nineties, and he sold that to Disney for I forget how much it was. It was in the uh, the high millions, and he eventually bought back Power Rangers from them for like less than a hundred million. So he's 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 a very savvy business guy, and uh, this is his second time selling the franchise. But this time it's going to Hasbro, which is awesome. I think this is great news. Hasbro owns some of the biggest. I mean, I think they are the world's largest toy manufacturer, and they have some great brands under their titles. I mean, they have the Transformers, they have I think My Little Pony, they have Star Wars. Like they're a juggernaut in the industry for a reason. And uh, seeing what they can do with the toy line, uh, there's a lot of fans who are really optimistic about this since Bandai of America has been lacking and kind of just doing the same thing over and over with the toy lines. Um, but the fact that now Hasbro is going to be making the show, who knows where it's going to go? Uh, they've been filming in New Zealand since uh, kind of the, the mid 2000s. Maybe they're going to keep filming in New Zealand. Maybe they're going to bring it back stateside. There's just so many opportunities for for the franchise now. The only thing that's probably not going to happen, unfortunately, is that we're probably still not going to get a movie sequel. Well, hold on. Let me throw this out there because they've been talking about the Hasbro Cinematic Universe, which is going to shepherd in. We're going to get a mask film that's going to be directed by... Uh, who is the director? Um, Gary F. Gary Gray is, okay. is going to be doing a mask film. Okay, um, then they're going to be rebooting the Transformers. They're talking about doing a new rebooted GI Joe. They're talking about doing Rom the Space Knights, and they their goal that I'm hearing is to have all of these show up in like a huge kind of like. Avengers Infinity War type film. (laughs) Sign me up, man. But hold on. Hold on. Now that Hasbro has the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, Harmon, is it possible that we get a movie with the Transformers, G.I. Joe, and the Power Rangers all in the same film <laughs> like is this is this that sounds to me like a movie i would have made with my action figures when i was like 10 years old like sitting there with a the camcorder i know it sounds ridiculous but if that movie were to happen i'm in the theater like you know, I'll, i'm right when you think about it like when you're a kid and you're playing with your action figures your ninja turtles are fighting your power rangers and they're yes. holding lightsabers and stuff right yeah why not take that concept and make it a movie because that would i mean you look at the lego movie that had a ton of different you know brand crossover they could do the same thing here and uh 
I mean, and these are big, heavy action franchises. I mean, you've got Mass, you've got, you know, G.I. Joe, Transformers, Power Rangers, all, you know, geared up and fighting giant space shit. Like, come on. that I'd be there. Now, hold on. Let me throw this out there. Uh, we recently saw Universal try to start up their own cinematic universe with the Universal Monsters. They tried to do it with Dracula Untold, and that movie kind of like, you know, it, Luke Evans... Uh, he was fine in that film, but th- the movie wasn't that great. And so they, they said, oh, that's not part of our dark universe. The mummy with Tom Cruise. They got Tom Cruise. And this <laughs> is probably the worst Tom Cruise movie I've ever seen. And I love, like, I love Jake Johnson. I think the guy is hilarious, but like he did not fit into this movie at all. <laughs> it was terrible. The movie was terrible. And so it's like, we've seen like, even like, you know, Tom Cruise trying to shepherd in the dark universe where they were going to have like, you know, eventually Dracula show up, uh, you know, Frankenstein's monster, the, you know, the mummy, of course. And then like, you know, uh, you know, the, Wolfman. The, the Wolfman, the creature from the Black Lagoon, all these, they were going to try this and it, it failed because of that first movie. I think this all hinges on like the first movie. It's, they've got to hit that first movie out of the park. Otherwise, this whole thing falls apart. You can't, Paramount cannot just come out with like, say, let's say like the first movie that comes out is this mask movie with F. Gary Gray. And like, if they don't, I honestly feel like they need to take elements of Fast and Furious and mix it in with the Transformers. And that's, you've got a winning movie. You've got, if you can turn, if you can make it Fast and Furious meets Transformers, you've got a winning movie, in my opinion. That's what they, that's what they've got to do. But are they, you know, are they going to do that? Like, if that first movie fails, then like, are we ever going to get like, Ron the Space Knights? (laughs) Are we, are we going to get, you know what I mean? And like, are we going to get the, because like, if, if that first movie just rocks and they're like, okay, let's, let's keep this going. And like they get a guy like not I'm not saying they're going to get Feige, but somebody that kind of has a vision for this whole thing. Like at the end of the mask movie, we see like Duke from G.I. Joe show up at the end of the film. And we're like, oh, shit, that's our Nick Fury moment, yo. (laughs) And then, you know, and then like they start building this whole universe. Um, (laughs) I mean, I I don't I know it sounds silly, but me being an 80s kid, dude, if they, if I can have a movie with all these things and then they want to throw in the Power Rangers 2 to boot, I'm there. I want to, I want to see this clusterfuck of crazy characters on the screen together. <laughs> exactly. It sounds nuts, but it's my kind of nuts. Like, that's, I don't know, of, of all those combined universes, like, I didn't see the, uh, the Universal Monster one working out well. The yeah. only time I think that worked out well was back when Monster Squad came out. Like, that was awesome. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I don't know. Something about this. I think it's just because, like, we look at those, those TV shows. And those shows, I mean, realistically, they were kind of just toy advertisements. Sure. So, you, you can take that over the top insanity from those tv shows and make something crazy out of it like sign me up i'm there 
I learned a lot from those mask TV shows. I learned not to drink liquid out of an unmarked container <laughs> and, you know, not to do drugs. And, uh, no, I didn't not to do drugs. And I didn't learn not to smoke or drink. But I definitely don't drink bleach out of yeah. an unmarked container. Right. I, no. I love that cartoon, man. The more you Absolutely. know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, and knowing is ha- uh, the GI Joe had the knowing is the half the- and knowing is half the battle. PSAs. <laughs> right. And I, if they throw, yeah. I'll tell you what. I think you guys are insane for liking this idea. But if you throw fucking Brave Star in there, I will beat in there like a shot. Oh God, <laughs> I love Brave Star. <laughs> I'm dude. I I I know this sounds crazy, and it's I don't know. I know the that the Transformers movies have left a bad taste in everybody's mouth. And, and then the, the, the G.I. Joe reboots have left a bad taste in everybody's mouth. But, Harmon, I'm with you. I, I think that that – I don't care what anybody says. That last Mighty Morphin Power Rangers film was a very good movie in my opinion. I think it's – I still I still stand by that and I would watch it again. I think like my biggest problem was the Rita Repulsa character um, – um, in that the way that she was kind of portrayed in the film, it was uh, weird at times. But other than that, I loved the kids in it. I love kind of like the relationship, like the breakfast club kind of like element that they threw in there. And I, man, I, if they can, I would love to see those kids come back and do this, but it doesn't sound like that. That's possible. But yeah, man, dude, I mean, in my wildest dreams, I never would have thought that there's a, possibility with this acquisition that we could see like can you harmony can you imagine um the power rangers zording up and turning into like the megazord and then all of a sudden fighting the transformers dinosaur triptychon robot city like oh my god oh fuck <laughs> sign oh, i am there <laughs> i mean you got like you gotta be kidding me I'm doing... who else does hasbro own they own star wars maybe we can get some star wars stuff in there <laughs> like just just keep throwing in whatever brands they have like sign me up <laughs> oh man i think it's great i think it, i think it's great if it works out i i think it all kind of like like I want to see, you know. Let's see what they do with mask. Like that's the thing. It's like some people can say, "Ah, look what the, look what they've done with these properties and stuff like that." I think if I think if mask, if they take it like Fast and Furious, and they turn it into a Fast and Furious meets Transformers movie, they can have a lot of fun with this and make this a really fun action based franchise. For oh. sure, and I mean, there's a lot of people who let's say, okay, they are doing the mask movie. There's a bunch of kids who have no idea what the fuck mask even is. Sure. So if they make something that kind of rides that little bit of nostalgia for the older fans, but still gives you know younger fans something to be like, oh, this is cool. There's there's I think there's profit to be made there, and there's good movies to be made there. So there's definitely potential. It's just how it's executed. And only time will tell. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people didn't know who Iron Man was until we got the Iron Man movie. He was a B-list character for Marvel, and now he's an A-lister. So, yeah. Uh, Guys, uh, we aren't getting the Tremors sci-fi series starring Kevin Bacon. Uh, No! Sci-fi passed on it. The pilot was shot. Um, The director of that Tremors pilot 
was Vincenzo Natale, which like for me that is huge. He's known for his work on Westworld. I I'm a big fan of Vincenzo Natale's work on Westworld. He's also going to be involved in uh, the new Peripheral show that's going to come out on Amazon Prime with you know uh, Lisa Joy and Jonathan Nolan. And anyway, he, Vincenzo Natale he replied to a fan on Twitter that was saddened by the news. And he said to the fan, thank you. Oh, the fan asked if it's possible for somebody else to, to pick it up. Um, oh, uh, yeah, he was later asked that. But he said, thank you. I suppose it's possible. People loved it, and it tested great. I am baffled by this decision. Um, and then he was asked if there's a chance we'll ever get to – oh, then he was asked if there's ever a chance that we'll get to see it. And he said, sadly, I think it is unlikely. So, I mean, I kind of bullshit, right? Nah, maybe. Well, it depends if it gets leaked or not. If it gets leaked, then everyone's going to be out of it. Everyone's going to see it, yeah. Well, I mean, you're hearing that, like, okay, you're hearing that it tested well. It tested great. It's It's Vincenzo Natale. I'm a big fan. And it's like... I get it. Like some people might be, I don't need, I don't need a Trevor, I don't need a Tremors series. I don't need it. Well, you know, I just, you know, I don't know. There's a lot of things that in the past that I don't think I need, but then I get it and I think it's really great. Um, I think a Tremors series could be really fun just going back and looking at like the old movies and like people stuck on houses and like pole vaulting to the next roof and <laughs> that shit's fun i that that first movie was absolutely fun and fantastic and like uh, a tremors tv series as long as you keep it at around eight to ten episodes a season i think could be something that would that would be really fun to see how it's uh affecting different towns and and things like that and i think at least it would it would be nice if sci-fi released it as like a television event or like a, a yeah. television, just to see like what people thought about it, um, yeah. to to kind of give everybody an idea of like what the series would have been. I wonder if it was a fact that like they that they didn't like working with Kevin Bacon, or they didn't like working with Vincenzo. If there's like more politics behind this that we don't know about, or that they thought that the budget was going to be unreal. I mean, when they've been doing Happy with Christopher Maloney. Um, they did. They're trying to, and they've been doing this um, Channel Zero, which I'm going to start watching. I'm going to start watching Channel Zero. But they've been doing uh, the Krypton series. They're trying to really do some sci-fi stuff. And I felt like Tremors, a Tremors series, and you can land Kevin Bacon? Like, why not throw that into the lineup? I mean, if you're really trying to get back to some sci-fi shit, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, there must have been something there for him to sign on to this. There must have been. It must have been at least half good. So I agree with you, man. If if they would just release the but release yeah. the pilot, yeah. let everyone make up their own damn minds, and then tell us whether or not you want you don't to do even, it. You don't even have to throw it up on Sci-Fi proper. Just throw it up on the Sci-Fi app for people to watch. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Let's, let the audience make up their own minds. Yeah. So yeah, I, I just think it, it just seems stupid to make a pilot that tests really well and then not at least see what public reaction is to it. You know, we spent that money already. Yeah. So why yeah. not just see, you know, if there's a following and people like rave about it. I mean, the internet buzz alone has gotten movies made before, so it would definitely work for a TV series. Yeah. 
Do you guys know? Sure. Do you guys know what those those fucking worms are called? No. no. They're called. <laughs> I just found this Gra- out. Grabites. Graboids. Graboids. <laughs> I, I just found that out this week. I had no for like that movie's been out for probably like. Almost 30 years, I think it came out in like 90 or 91, that first one. I remember watching that movie with my dad and my sister and just being like, just blown away at how fun and awesome that movie was. That's a great film. Yeah, I was just like, holy shit, like, this is Dune for kids. (laughs) Yeah, I think, I think that was my first ever kind of like step into the kind of like horror comedy genre yeah like before evil dead and things like that that i saw later on i think that was the first movie and i was sitting there watching it and i was like am i supposed to be laughing because that's really funny yeah oh god and i loved uh michael gross and um michael gross if you if you don't if you're if you were around in the 80s you'll remember him he was the father from family ties he played stephen keaton um but uh him and reba mcintyre's character with all the guns that they had in the oh, basement. Yes. Oh my god. And then he pulls out that he called it an elephant gun. Yeah. Oh my god. Harmon, have you seen the original Tremors? Oh, not in a while, but okay. for sure. Like they're like this the like this gig these okay, if you haven't seen Tremors, like basically like these are gigantic worms with like teeth and but they're blind and they they're really sensitive to hearing. So if you make a noise, they know where you are. So like if you're running on the ground, they'll like come up from out of the ground and grab you and kill you. Um so people are like chilling out on their roofs and like people are pole vaulting from roof to roof to get around. So um anyway, there's a scene where like Reba McIntyre and Michael Gross are in their basement and this graboid like busts through like cement blocks and its head is rearing out. They've got like this whole arsenal of guns. <laughs> And it's just like, you know, like, they're just like, 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 they're, you know, like, they've got to be like founding members of the fucking NRA or something. Like, I'm surprised that, like, uh, what's his, what's his name didn't show up from, uh, ah, what's his name? From, ah, (laughs) there went my my joke. It was, um, ah, from Damn Yankees. He joined Damn Yankees. I have no idea what you're talking about. Forget the band? It. No, I'm, uh, uh, oh. there's a uh, <laughs> the, the, ah God, I, I've been drinking too much. A uh, Ted Nugent. Thank you. Oh, nailed it. Ted Nugent. <clears throat> I'm surprised Ted Nugent didn't show up. But like, okay, God, that took like ten minutes to get to. <laughs> but uh, they pulled like, dude, they've got all these guns down in this fucking basement, dude. And they like Reba McIntyre, the country singer. She's badass in this movie. Oh yeah. <laughs> They're pulling these pulling these guns, these guns off the wall, blasting this fucking gigantic worm with these teeth, and then fucking Michael Gross, the dad from family t- family ties who you know he was like a hippie on that show when he was in the 70s and shit pulls a fucking this gigantic elephant gun is what he calls it this gigantic fucking like rifle shotgun it's insane and just starts blasting this thing it's fucking it's one of the coolest fucking cinematic moments that i had when i was a child i was like this is incredible and like i don't know i think it 
I think it's a missed opportunity because you've got Kevin Bacon coming back and we could see this. We just talked about the fucking karate kid coming back 30 years later and how that (laughs) shit's working out. And like, here we go. Like, you know, sci-fi can do a revival of Tremors. And I, yeah, it is nostalgia for me. I really, when I was a kid, that was one of those really fun movies that, uh, that me and my dad and my sister, when we sat down and watched that movie, we really enjoyed it. And, um, I don't know, man, just to kind of like, I think we're at a place where they could kind of recreate the fun and the horror of that, uh, of that first movie and make it a fun thing for people to watch. So, I, I, I don't know. I think I, so as well, dude. Yeah. I'm not, I think some of the problem or some of the worry that they have is the fact that they made five of those. Seven. Oh, six or seven, dude. Was it? Re- oh my god, I yeah, missed you, clearly. <laughs> but it, I think that they might think it might be a bit like played out and that people have kind of like seen all the jokes and things that they could have done. Yeah. But I, I would be up for it. I, if they if they put it on TV, I would be watching. I really would. I love that original film. Me too. Oh my god, I love that original movie so much. <laughs> was it they call the one that keeps chasing them? They call him Stumpy because they blow like like three three extra like tongues that like come out and they shoot one of them off or they shoot all of them off and then they so like when he comes out the ground like this weird three pronged tongue is slashing around yeah. but it's missing all of his bits so they call him Stumpy and that's the one that keeps on chasing them. It's like they get the other two and then he's the last one that's left and he's like taking people out. It's remember so the, much fun. Do you remember the way they killed the last one in that film? Was it dynamite? No, like the last one I remember that they um they tricked it to like like basically burrow outside of, out of a cliff and fall to its <laughs> oh, yeah. death and they have like this model of this yeah, gigantic worm that fell and like splat open and I was like yeah <laughs> yeah though the dynamite was I remember they got one with a dynamite and yeah. then Stumpy comes back and they're trying to kill him <laughs> so they're like they're on the rocks and they're throwing dynamite like out yes, like yes. string attached and they're pulling the string so then they come up and they take the dynamite and then Stumpy spits one of the dynamite sticks back at them because he's smarter than all the rest but not smart enough to realise that there's a cliff coming <laughs> so they're just like running to the edge of the cliff and he uh, just comes blasting out of the wall and just fucking explodes on the floor now I oh god I haven't, so good I haven't seen them all but I did I think the last one I saw was like it was um the girl from Jurassic Park, the first movie, the young blonde girl. It, yeah. She was like an adult and she was in that one. That was the last one that I ever saw. Was she in the yeah. first one? Not in the, well? No, 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 no. She wasn't. She was in the first Jurassic Park. Yeah. It, the, the, I'm saying the girl that was the young blonde girl from the first Jurassic Park was in one of the later Tremors films as an adult. Okay, okay, gotcha. No, she was I not. I swear to God, she was a kid in one of those. Really? She. I think so. Shit. My, I watched her as an adult in one of them. Or, or she was older. So, like maybe 19 or 20 or something, but. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, but, uh, fuck, man. Fucking tremors. <laughs> yeah, bring it on. <laughs> I'm in. I love tremors. Yeah. Fuck. Sci- God damn you, sci-fi. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it, yeah. Uh, they're still talking about maybe... I was actually at Walmart the other day, and they had the entire Tremors collection. It was uh all six movies 
for like wow. Nineteen ninety nine on DVD and like twenty five bucks on Blu Ray. I thought you were gonna say like a dollar. <laughs> oh fuck! I would have picked it up. <laughs> yeah, me too. I would have picked it up if it was for a buck. But like uh, Michael Gross is still talking about them doing Tremors Seven, and he wants he's talking about them introducing underwater graboids. <laughs> so. <laughs> How would they move? Mm. That doesn't make any damn sense. I don't know. I don't know. They got to evolve these characters, I tell you. All right, let's take a quick break, and we'll come back with Marvel News. Hi. I sound like Morgan Freeman. I bet most of you do some online shopping with Amazon. It's just so easy. I myself logged in today to buy adult diapers. No, I'm not embarrassed. I have zero shame. And I really don't give a fuck what you think. I'm at that age. You'll get here too one day. And don't think that you won't, you naive asshat. One day you too will be just like Jamie Lee Curtis and shitting your body weight and Dan and yogurt. And the next thing you know, you'll be on Amazon ordering adult diapers saying, holy shit, that freckled face fucker was right. Anyway... The whole point of this is to tell you that PopCultureLeftovers.com has an Amazon shopping link. What that means is when you click on the link from their website, it helps the show. It doesn't charge you extra at all. You just shop like you regularly would, and Amazon takes care of the rest. It's easy and convenient, just like these diapers. I literally blew up this diaper while recording this ad. Hashtag truth. All right, hey guys, we are back, and it is time to jump into Marvel news. Marvel news. All right, Marvel news this week, guys. We got a new Ant Man on the Wasp trailer. So yes. I want to talk about Oh, yeah. I want to talk about that. Uh, we're going to break it down, and I want to get your guys' thoughts on this one. So the trailer, it starts off with Scott Lang. He's sitting down with his daughter, Cassie. And there's the quick line um, from Infinity War that lets us know that Ant-Man and, and Hawkeye made deals with the U.S. government after the events of Captain America Civil War in order to be with their families. And then... Cassie says, I wish I could fight bad guys like you. And I think that this is a possible Easter egg because Cassie in the comics grows up to become Ant Girl. And like we alluded to in our last episode, uh, I said that there, I think that there's going to be a time jump in Avengers 4. And, um, you know, they've shown some set picks and Robert Downey Jr. has his hair is more gray. And so I think this could be set like maybe four or five years down the road. And they've cast actress Emma Furman as the teenage Cassie Lang for Avengers 4. Hmm. Huh. So, so I, I, th- I thought she was called Stature. Uh, yeah. Or was that just like her dad? You know, like her dad always took like different names and stuff. 
Yeah, that that might be the case. I mean, it, they might go with that, or they might just be like, yeah, I don't know if they're going to go with Ant Girl. <laughs> yeah, it's just because I always the only comics I ever saw her in were the ones where she was, you know, she was like giant Cassie. Okay, and they called her stature. Yeah, I don't know if that's the route that they're going to go. If they're going to have her, but they they definitely recast the character, and I feel like it could be for a reason. So wow, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Uh, so in the trailer, we see Scott uh, going after villains, and he's pushing a truck like a scooter to catch up with them. Yeah, uh, that was so good. That was cool. <laughs> uh, we Of course, we get Walton Goggins. He's going to be one of the villains in the film, uh, along with Ghost, who I'm going to talk about Ghost here in a moment. But we get Walton Goggins. He plays a character. His name is Sonny Birch in the film, and he's the head now of Cross Technologies. Now, you'll remember... Darren Cross from uh, the first Ant-Man movie, he was the Yellow Jacket. Now, in this scene, Sonny Birch, played by Walton Goggins, is trying to get away with that shrunken down building that we saw from the first trailer that we see Hank Pym yeah. shrink. And, he, you know, Hank Pym kind of like rolls, rolls it away like it's luggage. Um, so... He's trying to steal this building, so he's he's either trying to like steal data or just technology in general from Hank Pym. So I don't know. It's kind of cool, like when you can just steal an entire building with data and technology and just throw it in the back seat. You know, I think in the, yeah. <laughs> in the trailer he's just got it kind of like chilling on his lap. There, um, we then um, get Hope Van Dyne, the Wasp, inside of the van. And she's shrinking and then growing as she's fighting them, punching them, kicking them, whatever. And you guys can like, you can tell just from like the trailer, she's like more of a trained fighter than Scott is. Oh yeah, oh, she for is sure. So for much, sure. She's so much better than him <laughs> in every way. Like, I feel like Hank has probably been like training her, and she's like, you know, been training her whole life for this stuff. And so we get a shot of the wasp in a kitchen, and it looks like it's the same, like the front of the kitchen um, or the restaurant or wherever this takes place. It's the same kitchen that we see in the first trailer, where we see her running across the knife blade, and behind her. In that scene, sitting down, wearing a red tie, it looks like Walton Goggins um, as Sonny Birch. Then we get a shot of Luis, uh, played by Michael Pena. Um, we get a shot of what looks like uh, is the vehicle that Pym makes that can shrink and then possibly enter the quantum realm. And... In interviews with Evangeline Lilly, who plays the Wasp, she stated that the Wasp's main mission is to rescue her mother from the quantum realm. And uh, we get a shot of what I think is the quantum realm in this trailer. Actually, a couple shots, but this first shot. But it doesn't look like the quantum realm that we saw from the first Ant-Man film. It looks completely different. It looks really different than the the original quantum realm that we've seen and then we see hannah john Kamen. she's the actress that's playing the other villain in the film ghost and ghost has the ability to phase in and out of solid objects so which is going to make her really difficult to stop in this film for ant-man if if you think that you've got her cornered or whatever she can just phase through a wall and get away from you so um we're, I, I'm sure we're going to possibly get a scene where she steals the technology from Hank Pym. Um, and who knows if they're trying to get it back from her. But um, I don't know how she gets it. I hope we get a really cool heist scene with her somewhere in the movie, kind of showing her 
kind of showing us how the villains pull off a heist from 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 Hank Pym. Um, we get a shot of Hank and Hope being surrounded by armed men, and it's probably the fallout from the so- Sokovia Accords that we saw in uh, Avengers: Age of Ultron, and then um, and and Civil War. And Hank Pym and Hope come to Luis and his crew, Michael Pena's crew. We got T.I. and David Dashelman. Uh, their back is Dave and Kurt, along with Luis, and, and they've started a business called XCon, which is their own security firm. So they're probably involved in a mission to get something back, whether it be like the phasing tech or the building from Sunny Birch. And they're probably gonna have, they're probably gonna talk about how XCon is like, how ironic is it that XCon is a security firm made up of XCons? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, we get this ridiculous shot of, of an ant playing the drums. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I don't know how they're going to play that. Not either. play the drums, but how that's going to fit into the movie at all. Oh, I can give you an idea. If you look closely at the ant in that scene, he's wearing the FBI ankle tracker that they gave Scott in the first trailer. Oh, so he's like under house arrest. Yeah, so like basically <laughs> they think Scott's at home, but the ant is just rocking out to the drums and and wearing. Oh yeah, of course, because how the hell are they going to put an ankle tracker on him and he could just shrink down and slip it off? Yeah, yeah. So that's it. Oh, that's a really good point, dude. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Um, we see another shot of what looks like another dimension and there's kind of like a white blur going through it. A lot of people are speculating that the white blur is actually that you can see the wings of, um, of Janet Van Dyne. And this is the quantum realm. This is a shot of the quantum realm and this is, could be where they find Janet Van Dyne. Um, we get a shot of Ant-Man and the Wasp fighting, but the suits look different and Ant-Man's helmet looks way different. And the Wasp has red in her suit and so this is probably a flashback scene of Hank and Janet working with S.H.I.E.L.D. and fighting together as husband and wife. So that's really exciting, and I'm looking forward to seeing that. Um, we get Lawrence Fishburne in this film. He's he's not only in the DCEU is he uh, Perry White, but now he's going to be playing Dr. Bill Forrester, who we know from the comics is Goliath. Um, so Scott and Bill Forrester, they're comparing how big they've, they've gotten in the past. <laughs> I love that bit in the trailer, man. <laughs> yeah. I thought that that was really good. Foster's talking about how his record was 21 feet and Scott was able to hit 65. So they're basically comparing sizes and they turn it into like, <laughs> like a whole, like comparing dick sizes kind of joke. And I thought that that was funny. And then we see, finally we see Ant-Man, who's now Giant Man, come up from the water and he's, trying to take the building back from Sonny Birch who's on this boat. Um, we also got some other really cool scenes. I love the the fighting scene with uh, Hope Van Dyne where she like you know throws the salt shaker that makes it really big and and you know blocks that one uh, villain. I don't know. What did you guys think of this trailer, Dan? Um, well, I, I absolutely love the first Ant-Man. I know it's not a, to a lot of people's taste, but I actually tupperware that movie. I think I had such a good time with it. I've watched it a number of occasions. So I'm really looking forward to this. And it just looks like they've ramped up 
like the action like the, the the choreography of the fighting looks absolutely amazing in this like you say man especially with wasp and um the the use of the shrinking and the enlarging of things it was really cool to see that in civil war where he like throws like the truck that he thinks is a water truck and to see like that played out like in a number of different ways i think it's going to be really cool to see all those kind of inventive ways that they use use that technology but i mean to be honest aside from the main plot of you know stopping these villains i think the thing i'm most excited about is all the stuff with the quantum realm and how it links into infinity war so i'm i am and obviously i'm pretty damn sure they're gonna find um janet and uh, I'm really interested to see how that happens. And I'll probably be whooping and hollering when it happens because it's a character I really want to see on screen. Yeah, Janet, played by Michelle Pfeiffer, who's actually on the new poster. Oh, yeah, I know. It's it's crazy. I mean, I, I didn't think they were going to be able to hold it in as a secret because we were. Uh, there's a lot of stuff alluded to in the first movie that, that she is there. And there's even, like, flashing images, of, possibly, of her that people have spotted. So it was something that if they were going to do a sequel, that, that that was more than likely going to happen. But, yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to this, man, and I love this trailer. Harmon. Yeah, I'm going <clears> to, <throat> excuse me, I'm going to echo a lot of what Dan was saying. I really enjoyed the first Ant-Man, and I loved, you know, Scott in uh, the Avengers movie, So, or uh, it was a Civil War. Um, so this trailer hit all the right buttons for me. It just seems like it's going to be a super fun movie. Uh, I love the the way that we're going to have the, you know, Ant-Man and Wasp really fight as a team. I think that's going to be a really great dynamic. And uh, the choreography was beautiful on it. And, uh, like, there was this scene where uh, Ant-Man's like, oh, you go low and I go high. And she, <laughs> I, my suit's got wings. Like, why am I going to go low? <laughs> like, uh, I think I think there's some great humor that's going to be in these movies. And I'm I'm really excited to see this. I uh, I wasn't the biggest fan of the first movie. I thought the villain was terrible. Um, and I wasn't the biggest fan of Michael Pena's comic relief in that film. Um, I did love the the way that they showed you know the shrinking and growing and all that stuff. I thought that that was pretty awesome. Um, and the introduction to the quantum realm was really cool. Uh, but uh, this trailer looked absolutely fantastic. I think the villain in this looks great. I want to see more of this character, Ghost. Uh, of yeah. course, it's, it's got Walton Goggins in it. I'm a huge fan of Walton Goggins and I hope he can redeem himself from the lackluster performance that I saw in Tomb Raider. I thought that that he played a very very generic villain that didn't live up to like what I think is a I think it's the worst Walton Goggins performance I've ever seen in my entire life was in uh, the Tomb Raider film and it's unfortunate because that guy is fantastic. Um, I loved him as the laugher in American Ultra. Um, you know, I've loved him seeing him in the Quentin Tarantino stuff. So I want to see him just as a Marvel villain. I just don't want him to be like an afterthought. I want him to be fucking awesome. And yeah. ghost, I think ghost, like a character that I think this is a, this is a villain that can cause some problems for Scott and for, uh, hope, uh, being able to phase in and out of stuff and be able to cause a lot of problems. I don't know if Ghost is going to be working alongside Sonny Birch. I have no idea if those characters are going to be working together. There was a scene of them in the same van, I believe, in this trailer, but I don't know if they're working together. So that'll be interesting. I don't, I don't know the dynamic between those characters. 
Uh, but man, this, I, I really like this trailer. I thought it was really good. And, and, uh, it has me excited for an Ant-Man film. Um, and I want to see, I definitely want to see how they're going to use Lawrence Fishburne in this. Like, why are they going and why are they reaching out to Lawrence Fishburne? Like what happened there? Like, is Hank Pym tied up for some reason? I mean, I don't know. It feels like they're going to him for some reason. I don't know. Like, what happened there? I don't know. We'll have to find out. But um, Yeah, I mean, you don't cast Lawrence Fishburne in, like, a cameo role. You know, he's not the sort of, like, actor that you would, like, cast just for, like, a small bit. <laughs> Unless so... it's Man of Steel or Batman v Superman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> Which well, I, what, what I should say is you shouldn't cast Lawrence Fishburne as a small character. No. You know, you should be, um, sh- they should give that guy as much screen time as possible. Yeah. But yeah, no, that, that's, that's really interesting, man. Cause he is, he is, um, um, on the credits as, yeah, as Bill Foster, but also slash Goliath. Yeah. So I mean, oh my God, imagine if we got a flashback scene. Fuck, that would be so cool. <laughs> that would be awesome. That would be <laughs> awesome. I want to see them. I want to see Goliath like go up to like twenty-one feet, and Scott hit sixty-five, and Scott just kind of like <laughs> like laugh at <laughs> him, just look down at him. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to it, and I'm with you, Dan. Like, I want to see what how this ties in with Infinity War because I think it will f- tie into Infinity War. Um, mm. I'm hoping it even ties in a little bit with Captain Marvel, teases that a little bit more. That would be oh, nice. That would be great. So, that would be great. Yeah, we'll find out. Um, James Gunn revealed this week that the uh, ship in the Guardians of the Galaxy um, that was used in Infinity War is called the Benatar after Pat Benatar. Did you guys <laughs> see this story? No, okay. no, but that's awesome, right? Okay, hold on. Like, this is something that I've been wondering. I I wanted to like give everybody confirmation about this because like this is something that me and Jake talked about when we did our Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two episode because um, the Milano, which is named after Alyssa Milano, uh, it was on the Ravager ship. Now I know the Ravager ship broke off into another piece before it exploded, and they escaped on it. But I didn't think that the Milano was on that part of the ship, that part of the ship that uh, that got uh, that that ejected um, as an escape pod from the main part of the ship. I thought that the Milano blew up on that ship, and so it sounds like that. This may be confirmation of that. Gunn revealed the name um, of the ship, the Benatar, on Twitter this week, and then he pointed out that it's not the same ship that the Guardians flew away in at the end of the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two film. That ship was called the Eclector Quadrant. <laughs> so, um, he says that that is still in the Guardian's possession. Its, um, its location is unknown. A lot of people are saying that Kraglin is watching it, which is James Gunn's brother. Um, he plays Kraglin. And so maybe he's watching it and he's using it right now. But um, I had a feeling that when we reviewed the movie that the Milano was left on Yondu's Ravager ship and it blew up. And I feel like this is confirmation of that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that man. makes I'm, sense. They go through fucking ships like no one's business. <laughs> <laughs> they are always blowing their ships well, they, up. They got, the, they, got, they got the Milano fixed by Roman Day and the Nova Corps and then it gets blown the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's where they're collecting them. Yeah. Maybe that's why they've got a bunch of ships now because they know they're going to fucking destroy them. Did any of you guys watch the Black Panther deleted scene that was released by uh, USA Today this week? 
No, not yet. I have not. Okay, there was a, they they showed a scene, and I guess uh, you know Ryan Coogler was a big fan of the scene, really enjoyed it, but they decided to pull it from the film. It's a it's a heated discussion between Akoya and Wakabi, and in that discussion, we find out that those two are actually married. Oh, yeah. So I thought that that was really that was interesting. Like the, we knew that they had some sort of a relationship in the film. Um, there was a couple times where two or three times where it kind of like where number one where it came up where she said she called him my love, and then later on we saw his rhino lick her, and then um, you know we saw kind of like a, a weird interaction between them when uh, Killmonger was talking about his plans for Wakanda and. They had different views on how Wakanda should handle, like, uh, the political side and, 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 uh, how they should handle the rest of the world and stuff like that. But, like, this scene confirmed that they're married. So, that's interesting. I, I hope Daniel Kaluuya comes back for Black Panther 2 and we can explore that relationship a little bit more now that he kind of, like, went against the Black Panther, you know? So. Yeah. That's what I said in the Infinity War episode as well, yeah. wasn't it? It's like we didn't see Wakabi anywhere. Yeah, we didn't see him. And I, I think it's because – I think you were right to say that because of uh, as soon as Okoye sees you know, T'Challa come back in that scene, she says that the the ritual, the battle or whatever, the uh, it, it's not over. It's not complete and that, that – that the fight should continue for the for whoever should be king, and Wakabi makes his choice right then and there that the you know that uh, the new king is Killmonger and that's who he sided with. So I think he's got to he's got to uh, pay for those uh, for those actions. So he might yeah be, he's like, got, he's got some ass to kick yeah uh, to kick to kiss for definite yeah exactly. <laughs> Uh, let's see here. I feel bad. I, I felt bad for Wakabi though, because like Killmonger killed uh, uh, Claw, killed his family. So, you know, yeah, it's a lot of uh, like tragic beginnings for a lot of those characters, yeah. isn't there? Yeah, I don't. Know, they should they should have expressed that a little bit more in the film, though. It was like kind of like a one line and done kind of thing, you know. But, yeah, yeah, it didn't have the weight that it probably yeah. should have in like the characters' backstory. Yeah. And then, like another thing in like Black Panther, like when uh, I, I watched Black Panther again for the fifth time this past weekend, guys. So I have seen it five times now. But um, there was the scene where Killmonger shows up with the body bag and he opens it up and he shows it to Wakabi. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, why did he? Why did? How did he know to show up there and show the body to Wakabi? And then I thought to myself, uh. His dad told him all the stories from Wakanda. I'm sure he told him the story of Claw and all that stuff. And I don't know, maybe. Yeah, it might have been in the journal that he had. You know that like, that his dad yeah. left that he found that it had all the stories about like Claw and what he did to the tribes and yeah. all that sort of stuff. Dan, they're still trying. They're still trying to make the Gambit movie. They're still talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> no. Simon Kinberg's still talking about it. He said, "Believe it or not, we're still trying to get Gambit, starring Channing Tatum as the as the Cajun mutant, up and running. The hope is to keep moving forward until we hear otherwise. So it's it's business as usual over at Fox. They're not stopping, man. They're keeping these things coming, and they're still. I'm telling you, man, Gambit is happening. It's going to happen." 
<laughs> yeah, I just saw a story the other day where they are looking at the potential directors. <laughs> they don't even have a director again. I know, I know, but I, I have this feeling like Fox is really trying to push out a lot of movies before Disney acquires them. It's, it's just business as usual over there. And like, it's not, I don't know. I don't know, man. I, 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 I've got to see this Gambit movie now. <laughs> I, would, I would love to see it, especially if they're rushing into production now. It'll be even more of a fucking train wreck they're, than it would have been like, normally. Fuck, is that Josh Trent guy available? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my god, it's never gonna happen. Oh god, no! What it's it's got to happen. It's ha- it's gonna happen, it, and they're and uh, they're gonna cast. Oh my God! Tommy Wiseau is going to direct Gambit. <laughs> oh, son, yup, that's the best casting I've heard in a while. <laughs> oh man, I damn, I man, I this movie's <laughs> gotta happen so I can just rub it in your face. I've been, you know, it, like Gambit was always my favorite character when I was a kid. Like when I first started watching X Men, Wolverine didn't kind of come into the picture till I understood his powers. Yeah, um, and I love Gambit because he was so damn cool. So I would, I would love to see a Gambit movie. Movie. I was really excited when I found out he was going to be in Wolverine Origins, and then that turned out to be a part of shit and Gambit was terrible and and, and now this <laughs> Channing Tatum and no director and a quote unquote pretty good script <laughs> yeah, <I'm telling laughs> that's what man. they said <laughs> they said yeah the, the, the script is pretty good yeah <laughs> they said that it's like you don't want it to be pretty good you want a solo movie <laughs> fucking script to be excellent and that's probably why they're having trouble finding producers and directors because people read it and go well that sucks i've got to see this movie it's it's now it's not like it's not like i really it's not like i think it's gonna be good it's just like i don't know the curiosity is killing me it's killing me it's become a thing now hasn't it it's become a thing that we need to happen i gotta see this thing happen like i like this the day that they say that they've set a production date I am just I I'm going to message you. <laughs> Please do <laughs> and say that they have set a date for production. They've set see what's fucked up is they've set production dates before, and then they've they've put pushed them out, and that's what they've done here. <laughs> they push the production date out again. You know. Oh, so brilliant. I'm I'm hoping <laughs> that a joke. I hope that it's like it's they go. I don't know. They push this forward. I, w- I really want to fucking see this. Now, Ryan Reynolds is still trying to convince Hugh Jackman to put the claws back on one more time, guys. Um, there was a story that came out from Entertainment Weekly. And, of course, they acknowledge that Logan died in the last film. But here's what Ryan Reynolds says. He said, the fact that Logan took place years in the future from Deadpool 2 helps. And that, quote, he's alive and well in my timeline, says Ryan Reynolds. There is a Logan running around out there with a little with a little bushy chest and his little sharpy sharpy claws and he's alive <laughs> and well and ready to go and I would love that. So he wants to see that those these these two reunited because they did 2009 X Men uh, Origins Wolverine, which is a terrible film, and um, I like the beginning of it though, and then it just turns into shit. But uh, yeah, Reynolds he admits that. It's not so much Logan's health 
but um, Jackman's interest in revisiting the mutant. Uh, he says, I think convincing Hugh of that would be a near impossible feat, but there's no human being I love more than Hugh Jackman in that universe. And equally so as a friend, he's just the best. I, I already miss him as Logan. So I'm one of those guys that whenever I see him, I'm like, come on, man. Just come on one more time. We'll do it together. It'll be fun. Come on. On three. Here we go together. One, two, three together. And it's always just me saying it. <laughs> <laughs> so. See, if anyone, if anyone can convince him, it would be Ryan Reynolds. Because yeah. from the interviews and things like that that I've seen with those two, they just get on so damn well and they're genuinely good friends. Yeah. So it would be him if anyone could convince him to do it. Do I want them to? It would be fun to see Wolverine in a, in a Deadpool movie. It would. But... It, Logan is such a good end yes. to the character. Yes. Like he wouldn't want to doesn't want to go back and tarnish that, which right. I totally understand. Yeah, I think like this movie, like he went out on top. Like, like this is the way like Michael Jordan should have went out. You know, like shooting that that the the shot over Byron Russell and in the '98 championship and and beating the Utah Jazz and getting their sixth ring. Like that's what yeah. that's what Hugh Jackman like. Like, this was the best, like, he's always been great as Wolverine, but like, those first two movies, those first two solo movies, like, ugh, I hated them. And so, yeah. like, this was the movie to go out on, and I feel like, I feel like to come back and do a comedy with Ryan Reynolds kinda like, it would be fun, but it would take away from that a little bit. Yeah, I think so. I totally agree. Yeah. So as much as I'd like to see it, I think it should have been done before he did the Logan film. I just don't think, I, I don't know. I'm ready. I'm re- We got to let go. We got to let go of Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. And we've got to wait for like the next casting. We got to see who they're going to get in that role. When, yeah. Uh, um, he's been playing him for what? 17 years, 17 years, man. That's a long time to yeah. be one character. And like you said, man, we have to let him go at some point yeah. and the guy's moving on. He's doing other things and he obviously, what well, he seems like he doesn't want to come back and do it. We know it takes an incredible toll on his body every time he has to beef up as Wolverine. And I'm not saying he has to for this, you know, he, to, he just have to be in like, pretty good shape put on the suit for fucking once yeah (laughs) and let let us see him in the suit put him in his x-force suit god damn it that would be amazing with the red eyes the gray and black oh my god but um yeah i don't want it (laughs) even though i sound like i do god damn you know what's uh you know what's fucking with me is uh i i um i can see possibly deadpool 2 one week early, I can. I've got. Uh, I've got a reserve ticket to go see it in St. Louis. If I want to take. Oh a, shit! If I want to see a two-hour drive, I can see it on May tenth uh, at three thirty in the afternoon. Um, I've got to just basically. They're going to let press in first, and then they're going to let a select few people who have tickets that have shown up there early go see it. That's the thing. I've got to gamble on whether, like, if I'm going to drive two hours to St. Louis to try to see this early. So I don't know. It's going to be like a game day decision for me if I'm going to drive two hours to St. Louis. Um, and if I do, I'm going to get there like early in the morning and just like wait in line and see if I can be like one of the first five to ten people to be to go, you know, because I think they're probably just going to let maybe like five to ten people in after the press. It depends on how many members of the press show up and how many people they want to let in. But yeah. 
I've got a ticket. I got Jake a ticket. If Jake can get the day off and come and see it with me, he can. But I got like I got a separate tickets, and I don't know if I'm gonna do it. I mean, it's a gamble. I might drive two hours for nothing and just get turned away. So yeah, I was gonna say, man, if you if you do make the journey and you do see it would you do an episode early or would you would you be in under some sort of like um you know contract that you wouldn't be able to talk about uh, i'm it? sure that they would want um i mean i am sure that they would probably make a sign like an nda or something like yeah that. yeah we can't give out spoilers like if i did see it early i would i i don't know that's one of those things like me and jake might get on and do like a non-spoiler review or something like that for it but um yeah I mean, because I've never really been in that position. Like, I would get on – I've never – because, like, when we see a movie, like, I don't get on Twitter and tell everybody my thoughts. Like, I think that that's, that's just not me. Like, I want people to listen to the episode before they know what I think about a movie. And mm. um, I, this would put me in a unique position to, like – I. You know, how, how, am I going to rate the movie before we talk about it on the proper spoiler episode? Or are me and Jake going to record a spoiler episode and then release it like the day that the movie gets released so that we have the first review up? I, I mean, I I don't know how I would do that. Part of me thinks that I'm just going to show up on the 17th and watch it because I got the double feature tickets to go see Deadpool 1 and then 2 right after it. So I'm going to see – Yeah, and it's IMAX tickets. So I'm going to see them like back to back. Um, So I don't know. I don't know if I'm – I might – I might wake up that morning and be like, fuck it. Let's do this and drive out there. (laughs) So – I think, like you said, man, you know, game time decision. Yeah. If you wake up and you feel like you want to, and you're yeah. up early enough, yeah, then just do it. But yeah, it is, that's a long drive yeah. for possible tickets. Exactly, it's a two hour drive for me um, to St. Louis. So, and I, I wouldn't get there like at three thirty. I would want to get there like at, literally hours before that, like. Just yeah. so I'm waiting. Like, mid, like midday. Yeah. At the latest, probably. Yeah. yeah. So we'll see. Let's uh, let's move on into DC news. And I, we don't, we, I don't really have a lot this week for DC and Star Wars. Uh, here we go. Last night, Batman destroyed my vagina. And now the leftovers are going to destroy DC news. It's time for DC news, you fucking pieces of shit. All right, James Wan, the director for uh, Aquaman, was at CinemaCon, and they showed footage for the film at CinemaCon. Variety had this to say about the movie. Warner Brothers unveiled rough footage from Aquaman at CinemaCon on Tuesday, with the cast and crew promising that the finished project will rival the sense of adventure and epic scope found in Indiana Jones, Star Wars, and The Lord of the Rings. Uh, the upcoming DC Comics adaptation will find the underwater lord battling his corrupt half-brother, played by Patrick Wilson, with a very blonde wig after returning to the kingdom of Atlantis. He is also tasked with trying to prevent a brewing conflict between the sea dwellers and the people on the surface world. The film will delve into Aquaman's backstory. One of the more arresting images from the film finds a young Aquaman catching a trident with his bare hands. Momoa and Juan were joined on stage in Las Vegas, where the annual exhibition industry confab is taking place by Amber Heard, the actress who plays Mira, the queen of Atlantis, and, in Heard's telling, a warrior in her own right, quote, she's not a damsel in distress, said Heard. Um, people have been wondering 
where the footage has been and like basically like you know why haven't we gotten a trailer and and basically since a, a ton of it was filmed underwater James Wan just wants to get the effects right he didn't even want to show the footage at CinemaCon thinking that it wasn't ready and for me it sounds like the sign of a good director he's a perfectionist I, and he wants to show his best what do you got to say Harmon no, I was gonna say I, I definitely agree with that point because uh, if you're if you're making a piece of art, whether it's something visual or whatever, you you don't want to release that unfinished product because it could create a lot of. I mean, it could backfire big time. Yeah, like negative stigma towards the film. You know what I mean? Like, like you know, this is CinemaCon. This is you've got all the members of the press there, and like like it, you're kind of like if they say like, oh God, this it looks very unfinished and shitty. <laughs> I mean, you know, like this, it doesn't bode well for you as a director. But like, I think a lot of people have faith in James Wan. I mean, the guy is, he's very talented, but he said, I am simply not ready yet to share. This movie is filled to the gills with VFX and the process is as slow and laborious as a sea slug. Yes, even shots for the trailers take forever to do. And I refuse to put out anything that might be construed as subpar. Um, Anyway, here's the descriptions of what was shown at CinemaCon for Aquaman that's going to come out uh, just a couple days after Bumblebee in December. Um, the footage included Momoa's Aquaman pulling a submarine out of the water, what appeared to be shark horses and vistas of Atlantean skyscrapers, though technically if they are underwater – would they still be skyscrapers? That's what the article says. Anyway, the villains of the pick, including Abdul Mateen's Black Manta and Patrick Wilson's Ocean Master, also briefly appeared. They were also plenty, there were also plenty of choice one-liners, including Jason Momoa saying, I'm a blunt instrument and I am a damned good at it. Um, the reactions, of the footage were great. And apparently it's not all just underwater. Like it takes place. Like there's so many different places that this movie takes place on, um, across the globe. Um, but anyway, Mike Avia from sci-fi wire said, wow, the Aquaman teaser reel James Wan just debuted was hot. Lots of unfinished VFX, but Atlantis looks amazing. All kinds of crazy sea creatures, sea horses, sharks, and a Coliseum fight between Arthur and Orm, the undersea lava, with undersea lava and oh black mana for the win uh eric davis said damn very cool aquaman teaser trailer shows that there's a ton of uh underwater action and on the surface brandon davis uh warner brothers just showed the first aquaman trailer it looks epic patrick wilson looks great as ocean master there's a massive war with men riding sharks fighting a foot army and black mana looks brilliant the black mana we deserve is coming uh, Steve Weintraub from Collider said James Wan just showed some awesome looking footage from Aquaman, including a few shots of black mana and a tease of massive action. Some of the footage was close to final and some very, very rough. Most important thing is it looks like a kick ass Aquaman movie. Lauren Cox said, we just saw a very rough teaser for Aquaman, but it looks really, really good. Very intense. So many underwater action scenes. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, I want to see it for myself. They can say whatever they want to. And, and some of these names I trust. Some of these names I trust. I remember Steve Weintraub saw 
um, what was it? Um, Days of Future Past before the movie came out for the general public, and he said it looked amazing. And I asked him, dude, are you serious? Like, is this movie as good as you're saying it is? And he says, and he replied to me, and he said, yes, it is. And when I saw the film, he was 100% right. So, But this is just footage, and, like, I know DC can put together some great footage. I've seen it in the Suicide Squad trailer. Like, that movie looked great. But, like, we got to also understand that even though um suicide squad was not great in my opinion my personal opinion that this is james wan and hopefully they gave him the same creative kind of control that they gave patty jenkins with wonder woman so i don't know if i'm hopeful or not i hate to say that i'm hopeful but damn it if i'm not hopeful so I don't know. What do you guys? What do you guys think? And this, does this change your mind, or 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 are you still? Are you? I don't know how. You, how are you guys feeling about the Aquaman movie? I think as a standalone movie, it could possibly be pretty fun. I mean, I, I like Momoa as an actor. Um, I haven't seen any of the uh, the Justice League stuff. I I still haven't seen that movie. But um, if they can tell a good story, then. Why not? I'd definitely give it a go. And I like I like James Wan. I, I think he's he's a great storyteller. So I don't want to say that I'm overly optimistic because that's a very dangerous thing to or a dangerous mindset to have for these DC movies. But I am I'm a little bit hopeful. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Dan. I'm worried, man. <laughs> I'm I'm always worried when it comes to Aquaman. Yeah. Um I, I watched I watched Justice League. Um, I <sighs> Jason Momoa's portrayal of Aquaman. I, I, in his own words, I can dig it. I think it's it's a totally different spin to what I'm used to for definite. Um, but there were points in Justice League as as bad as it was. There were points that I really enjoyed the Aquaman stuff when he's like walking down like the pier and we got like icky thump playing in the background and he's shooting through the water at like you know like mac three or whatever the hell it is and uh him fighting um steppenwolf i thought was like really cool like you know lots of like hard knocks in there so i like the action and i I just i I really like the look and everything and i can kind of i can get around the way that he's portraying him Mm. but like you said like special effects in the words of my friend Johnny Cousins, don't mean shit. Like it, it doesn't. It doesn't matter how pretty this looks uh, in these, you know, in these uh, tests, audiences, and critics, and things like that. If the story and the characters aren't up to par, or the script isn't up to par, then it's gonna be bad. Yeah. So, but without yeah. seeing anything, it, it's so difficult to say. I'm excited for the movie, but I my expectation because of like the, all the previous DC movies, except for Man of Steel, for me, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't fill me with hope at all. So okay. Okay. they've literally got they've got nothing to prove to me because I'm not expecting anything great. Sure. So if, if it's good, then I will be over the moon. But, I, um, I've can, just got to wait and see something. Can dude. I just remind you guys about some of the cast in the film? Yeah, I mean, sure. Okay. Sure. All right. Of course we've got Amber Heard. Okay. Playing Mira. 
Um, we're getting Patrick Wilson, who I love. I love Patrick Wilson. Big Patrick Brilliant Wilson. Brilliant actor. Fan. Yeah. I mean, um, I loved him in Watchmen. I loved him in Fargo. Oh, fuck. What was that movie that I saw on Netflix that was the Joe Carnahan movie that I really liked him in? Can't think of the name of it, but he was fan- – Stretch. It was fantastic. I loved Stretch. That's a Tupperware movie for me. If you haven't seen that movie and it's still on Netflix, I highly recommend giving Stretch a chance. It's it's Joe Carnahan at his best. It's Patrick Wilson at his best. It's a fantastic movie. Um, but uh, Willem Dafoe is going to be in this movie, guys. Mm-hmm. Okay. We've also got uh we're gonna get Dolph Lundgren in this, all right, guys. You can't go you can't go wrong <laughs> with Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> so um no, I I I man, I I have I, I have faith in the director. I think James Wan is very talented. Um I'm hoping I think that, I've only seen one of his films. I think he did the first Saw movie, that's right, isn't it? He's been involved in the Saw franchise. He's been involved, I think he did uh in, yeah, he he's done movies for Insidious, The Conjuring. Uh James Wan also did uh one of the was it Fast 7, seven or 8. He did. he did 7. And um so I uh I've seen one I've seen two of his films. Um Fast Seven, eh? It's a fast movie. Can't really. You can do action, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, and Saw, I genuinely really love the first Saw movie. I think it's a brilliant, it's a brilliant piece of work. Um, can I tell you so, something about Saw that most people don't know? Yeah, sure. And I just, I just found this out this week um, that. The Saw movies, I didn't know this until yesterday, I found this out. The Saw franchise has saved over, this is, this is true. It has saved over 360,000 lives. All the movies except for the, it was the first one and the 2009 film, but all the other films, people could donate their blood in exchange for movie tickets to go see the, to go see the film. So as of September of 2017, they had, because of this kind of like promotion where you can get movie tickets for donating blood, 120,000 pints of blood have been donated because of the Saw movies. And it's saved wow. over 360,000 lives for as much as some of those films are trash, in my opinion. Like that, <laughs> that's amazing. That's amazing. That, that is amazing. Yeah. Well that's, done. For sure. That's incredible. Yeah. So I'm kind of blown away. I just found out about that yesterday. I was like, holy shit. That is insane. <laughs> but anyway, let's, let's move on to the next story. Uh, final story for DC news is, uh, James Wan actually revealed that he's working on a Swamp Thing series for the DC streaming service, which is now officially called DC Universe. And, uh, Swamp Thing uh, was created by Len Wein, who he passed away last year, didn't he? I think Len Wein. I, passed, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think, don't know either. I hmm. think I think Len Wein passed away last year. Um, but anyway, um, Swamp Thing was a character, uh, Doctor Holland, who was involved in this uh, chemical explosion, and then he gets all these chemicals on his body, and he runs into the swamp, and then parts of the swamp plant life fused with his body, and he became like this humanoid plant guy who fought to protect the swamp and the environment. And there was a couple of movies that they made, Swamp Thing, Return of Swamp. I love 
those movies are terrible, but I loved them as a kid. <laughs> and like, oh my God, I think it was Return of Swamp Thing with Heather Locklear. That's where I fell in love with her. Um, and then they had a Swamp Thing cartoon when I was a kid and I would watch the shit out of that. And then I read the comic books. Um, I read some of the comic books. I haven't read all the comic books. I read the new 52 stuff, which was fantastic. But um, I, I I do think Swamp Thing is really fucking cool. Marvel has their own version of Swamp Thing, which is Man Thing, which is that unfortunate name. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but anyway, this news comes from Screen Rant. DC Universe handed out a script to series order for a live action Swamp Thing series. The show's official series order is contingent upon Mark Verheiden, uh, who has worked on uh, Smallville. As well as Ash vs. Evil Dead, uh, also Gary Doberman, who's worked, who worked on It, and Michael Clear, who worked on Lights Out, uh, delivering a great script. The talented duo aren't alone in this process, though, as Aquaman director James Wan is part of the project as an executive producer. In fact, Wan's Atomic Monsters production house is producing along with Warner Brothers Television. If all things move along as planned, the series will debut in 2019. Wan confirmed his involvement on Twitter while DC additionally unveiled the show's logo and that's where I first saw the name uh, for the streaming service DC Universe uh, for a script to series order there's already a ton of information out there for Swamp Thing the series is described as a drama that will feature hour long episodes the descriptions being used sound as though CDC researcher Abby Arcane will be a prominent character if not the main character Arcane will travel back to her hometown of Huma, Louisiana, where she'll meet Alec Holland. Uh, they investigate a swamp-born virus together, only for Holland to die. It is then that Abby will discover the mystical nature of the swamp and the possibility that Holland is still alive. And then Juan tweeted, been developing this vegetarian hero for a while now with a great team. Happy to finally share. Expect mood, mystery, gothic romance, and swap monsters. And so uh, we, this guy knows his horror, and I think he'll definitely, they're going to throw in a lot of body horror into this with this guy. Yeah, with this, for sure. <laughs> absolutely, with this guy being like familiar with the Saw series, Insidious, and The Conjuring, of course. But, um, I mean, this series is going to join the DC Universe streaming service as far as the Titans series, the uh, Young Justice Season 3, the Harley Quinn animated show, and, of course, the Metropolis series, which sounds <laughs> terrible, which is basically Lois Lane and Lex Luthor meets the X-Files. And that that is getting redeveloped. It was um, uh, it, it had a 13-episode straight-to-series order for a 2019 debut. And now they're redeveloping it. So, like, that sounds like it's going to be – they called it – they said it's going to investigate the world of fringe science and expose the city's dark and bizarre secrets. And now the darkest secret is that that show is going to be a shitstorm. <laughs> <laughs> what a surprise. <laughs> so it, it's getting redeveloped because, like, it sounds terrible. It's a terrible idea. But anyway – Back to a Swamp Thing series that's being executive produced by James Wan and has some very talented names involved as far as like the writing staff. What are you guys thinking? Like, do you think that this can work? Mm. 
I I love Swamp Thing as a character, especially like the Alan Moore run. Um, and the thing that the only thing that I'm kind of concerned about because I think the team they've got on this is is pretty damn good for the the tone that they're going for. And I mean, you can't have Swamp Thing like running around a city taking out bad guys like you can with most other superheroes. Yeah. So going for this kind of you know gothic romance love story with like mystery involved that sounds pretty damn good and um it's probably not what a lot of people are expecting or possibly what they're even after but um the only thing that i'm concerned about is will do you think that they will go into like swamp thing being like the protector of the green like you know, one of the forces in the, in the DC universe, or do you think they're going to totally leave that alone and and maybe explain his powers some other way? Because it, for me, that's a huge part of the character. Yeah, it's like I would hope that they would go. Yeah, I hope that they would explore his power set and like make us understand. You know what I mean? Because like, yeah, the comics man get really trippy with that. You know, and I don't know how are they going to show us like that stuff on screen. I think the comics have done a great job. The comics are really trippy. Some of them are really fucking trippy, man. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait for... I mean, I'm sure it'll happen at some point in the show that something will be killed and then he comes back and then people find out that he's immortal. That would be that would be fucking sick yeah. <laughs> to actually have that happen. There's some great runs of the character where they show, like, his... Um, Basically, just like his relationship with the swamp and with nature and all this stuff. And it's like, I would love to see them get into that. Um, but yeah, like, I, man, part of me, like, if they were to announce that, like, um, uh, Guillermo del Toro was kind of like involved in this, I would have been like, oh my god, yes! Yeah, exactly. He's for literally sure. the perfect guy for it. Right, right. I think, <laughs> oh God, he would be all over this. My God, if DC Universe announced that Kiyomo Totoro was going to be doing like, he's going to be doing like their uh, Justice League Dark on this, I would be like, all <laughs> right, let's do it. But I think after the success of, um, of, uh, oh God, the what? Can't even think about oh, the uh, the shape of water. The shape of water. After his success with that, like he's got other things that he's probably working on at the moment because um, I think uh, Fox Searchlight has kind of like given him a lot of they they're wanting Guillermo del Toro to do a lot more of like these kind of like um, monster movies for them under the Fox Searchlight banner. They're giving him like a whole universe to kind of play with. So. We'll see how that goes. But yeah, I, Harmon, are you a fan of Swamp Thing or is like, or if you're, if you haven't been or not familiar with the character, like, would this be something that you would give a chance? Yeah, I am not familiar with the character at all. I've never read any of the comics. Um, but from what you have, you know, talked about this show, it definitely piques my interest and, I mean, kind of his, from what you were talking about, kind of his power set and possible origin story in the show, like, it certainly seems interesting, and it seems like a bit of a different superhero show than what we've had lately. You know, you, you throw in kind of the horror elements mixed in with some, some of that gothic romance. There's a whole lot of potential there. Yeah. And I think being in a series instead of being just like a movie, I think you can have that, that kind of long-form storytelling. And I think that would be well worth watching if it's done right 
Yeah, I mean, um, for me, man, like Swamp Thing's one of the most interesting characters I've ever read. Um, he's right up there with, um, I think it was, was it Neil Gaiman that did the Animal Man run? When he kind oh. of like re, repurposed his powers and went into a load of like kind of, um, uh, like animal rights stuff. Did you ever read those? If there's a fucking Neil Gaiman Animal Man run, I gotta read that. I just read the the Jeff Lemire stuff that came out with the New Fifty Two. That was my first introduction to Animal Man, and I loved yeah. I loved I, the Jeff Lemire stuff. I think shit. I was just looking at my collection, and I, I I know I've got three of the books, but I can't see them anywhere. I'm pretty sure it is Neil Gaiman, and he he, he took this, like, B-list character, not even a B-list character, and, and just, like, always found him very interesting, so he wrote for Animal Man, and that's the, that's the same sort of feel that I got from, like, the, anim, uh, the Alan Moore Swamp Thing as well. Yeah. He, like, really delved into what the character was about, like, at his core, and it like he's so connected to the green and like the like parliament of trees and stuff that yeah. it's all really interesting and it, it you know it it brings into light how humans are treating the planet and things like that and i mean power set aside that's all really cool i mean the guy the guy's power set is amazing but it's just it's more like why he's there and what he's about that's what i find so interesting about him and the whole kind of beauty and the beast like story as well is i just think it's really interesting comic to read yeah i would love like if this if this does take off swamp thing does take off i hope that it does like open the door for them to do possibly like an animal series animal man series where like we get to see a guy who has the powers of all like these animals you know yeah (laughs) i I don't know what the new 52 run is like but in the in the ones that i've got there's a bit where they lock him in a room and he can't see anything and and like they sort of like deaden out all the sounds so he can't you know change into anything and so (laughs) when they open the door to try and interrogate him he's basically copied like the microbes that are like you know, in people's skin and like on the floor, like the bacteria, and he multiplies. So they open this door, and when they open it, there's like a fucking hundred of him in there, and they will come spilling out, and they will beating the shit out of the guys. It was, it's so good, like really inventive use of his powers. That's oh, why wow. I love that run, man. It's so good. Oh, that's awesome. You definitely check out the Jeff Lemire shit, man. It's really I will fucking do. good. And it's like, it's like, it, it's one of those first titles that came out with the DC New Fifty Two, and it came out really strong and then no more animal man after that like i don't know yeah i know so yeah it's unfortunate but uh yeah i hope this swamp thing series is is really good i mean there's some talented names here it's and um i hope it's really good i i hope it's i hope that they stick to just like you know fucking you know like a 10 to 13 episode season i i yeah man totally the cw series like you know, like 22, 23 episode seasons is like, man, it's rough, dude. It's fucking rough, man. Yeah. And what the fuck is going on in Legends of Tomorrow with Bebo? Dude, I, 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 I've watched the first five episodes of Legends of Tomorrow for like this last season and I, I haven't picked it back up. I'm, oh I'm, my God. I'm actually, I'm actually like two or three episodes behind on The Flash and two episodes behind on Supergirl. So I gotta... It's, it is so much to watch. It is so damn much. And I love The Flash and yeah. I love Supergirl. I had to drop off the Supergirl after the second series, I think, and I haven't been able to go back and watch it. But 
there, oh, mate, there's so many things to watch. Yeah. From the CW. It, yeah. It, it's, I, I would say it's too much, but it's only too much for my time. But Legends of Tomorrow just went insane. You, know, you should really look forward to like, the next few that you're going to watch. I will. Because it gets nuts. I, I want to get, like, it's one of those shows I'm not going to drop off of. I'm definitely going to get caught up on. Because, like, I do love Legends. It's crazy. Yeah, so, but yeah, <laughs> you haven't seen nothing yet. Let's jump in. I got one star story for Star Wars news. Here's your little Star Wars bumper. What am I saying? You were supposed to be here with me, listening to Pop Culture Leftovers podcast. It's not true. That's impossible. So somebody, so uh, somebody got a big scoop from John Boyega about Star Wars Episode Nine, and it was Yahoo Finance, <laughs> <laughs> the leading edge of pop culture news. Exactly. I go. I always like when I wake up in the morning and I'm doing notes for pop culture leftovers. You know, I'm like, I'm gonna knock them out for that day. You know, I always go to Yahoo Finance first. You know what I mean? <laughs> But anyway, they talked to John Boyega, and he gave him this quote, and he says, I can't wait to start shooting the next and final leg of the Star Wars franchise. The first step is growing out my hair, so you can wait for the trailer to see why. Okay, number one, growing out his hair means that there's going to be a time jump of some kind. So whether it be a few months or a year or whatever, a couple years or whatever, um, the last film picked up right after the force awakens with this quote we can kind of like guess that it's going to be at least a few months or a year or whatever or even longer but like he's going to grow out his hair and you can you can wait for the trailer to see why yeah the, like are there no barber shops where he's at like i don't like <laughs> He's uh, in prison or something. We don't know. We don't know. Yeah, that's a good point. He could be captured or something. So, yeah, uh, that's really all I got for the Star Wars news is it sounds like there's a potential uh, time jump um, going on in this film, which is more in line what we've seen from other Star Wars films. Like, I, yes, The Force Awakens was the first time a Star Wars film picked up right where it left off. Yeah, um, this is, uh, I mean, it's interesting that he's let this slip. It, you know, gives us that little clue that we might be looking at, you know, like you said, a fair amount of time in the future. Yeah. Um, I mean, what do you think that would mean for the movie? Do you think that would mean that maybe Ray has started a, a Jedi Academy or something like that? I don't know. I don't know if I want to see that or not, you know? Yeah. I don't know. If they were going to do it, I wanted to see it with Luke, um, you know, training people. That's why I wanted to see it. And I didn't really, no one else has, no other character I really wanted to see train people in in an academy. The only academy that I want to see is the Cobra Kai. (laughs) Hey, that's a dojo. (laughs) But man... Did you guys hear that? I don't know. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know if I, I don't know what I, where I want to see, if I want to see like Ray, like leading an academy and like having all these Jedis and like kids making lightsabers and shit. Like, I don't know, man. It depends on like how far they're going to jump ahead and, 
Mm. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. May, maybe that's the best way to handle it, though. Just to like, like, holy fuck, J.J. Abrams gets it back, and like, we're five years ahead in the future, and we've got all these Jedi, and we're just like, we're watching, we're we're involved in a Star Wars movie, and we've got new characters, and we don't know who they are, and they're just throwing all these new elements at us or something, like, you know, um, the the last movie there wasn't like a lightsaber battle at all and like jj could just be like oh well you know you guys didn't get lightsaber battles in the last film like two lightsabers going at each other i'll just give you what i'll just give you a ton of lightsabers (laughs) here's a fucking jedi sith war yeah i mean i don't know I mean, that's what's amazing about this final film is it feels like it's The Force Awakens all over again where we don't know what we're getting. Like, all you know, like all we know is like, yeah, Ray's coming back, Poe's coming back, Finn's coming back. You know, we're going to get some more Kylo Ren. We don't know what they're going to do with Leia's character. And I think like another reason that they might be doing the time jump is to explain her absence in the film. Yeah, we don't don't know. We don't know how they're going to you know explain her but uh fuck dude it's yeah. like anything anything goes any who knows what planet they're gonna start out on you know i mean i don't know where they're gonna be i have no yeah. clue where they're gonna be when the, yeah, the, all we know is they were in the falcon at the end and, and that was it yeah wow yeah. yeah this is this proper blank canvas time absolutely like, yeah oh i'm <laughs> excited i mean Knowing, like you said, getting that feeling that it's the Force Awakens again, like, oh, yeah. Who knows what there's gonna? Who knows what we're gonna see? Yeah. 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 Can I just? Uh, this isn't Star Wars related, but it was something I wanted to say earlier. Sure. Um, did you guys see that Mark Ruffalo spoiled the end of Avengers: Infinity? Yes. War? Yes. With <laughs> months and months ago. With uh, with Don <laughs> Chadle. It was Don yeah. Chadle, and like, yeah, he spoiled it. Well, let's not spoil it now, but he gave away no. the ending, yeah. and, and then played like, it off like so. it was a joke, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, but it started off like he was trying to laugh it off, and then yeah. he like looked at Don, and he was like, "Am I in trouble?" And he just like, "I think I think you're in trouble. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. you're in serious trouble." Dude, <laughs> and that- then he was like, "I just get excited sometimes. I can't help it." And he's like got his head in his hands, and, and he's saying, "Can you rewind that? Can you like delete that part of the tape?" <laughs> <laughs> he knew that he fucked up bad. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, that was insane. I watched the clip, and I was just like, "Holy." <laughs> Shit! Oh. <laughs> it reminded me of when um, oh, I forgot the actor's name. But he plays Baze Malbus when he was at um, uh, uh, Star Wars Celebration, and he basically just like told everyone what happened to like Chira Imwe and Baze and a bunch yes, of other characters. Yes, yes. And Don Cheadle's reaction to Mark Ruffalo was the same as Alan Tudyk's reaction to Baze. Yeah, which was just that like. I can't believe you just said that, like shaking his head and like just looking around the room. Like, how are we going to cover this up? <laughs> it's fucking amazing. Did you guys hear about the, uh, the Han Solo, um, box office, like what they're predicting for the box office for Han Solo for the weekend? Nope. Like a hundred, no. 170 million. They, they're saying, they're saying like right now, the last time I checked, the last time I saw anything that it's on track to beat Black Panther's opening weekend. I can't see that happening. Dude, no, no. This is like from Fandango who like they're they're saying that they're they're not saying like that it's going to, but they're saying that the 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 pre-sales are Yeah, out. it's tracking to get that much. Yeah. 
the thing is, like, you got to understand, though, it's it's coming out on Memorial Day weekend, so it gets that extra day. It gets yeah, that extra point. day. So that extra day, like, people are going to be off on that Monday, and people are going to be like, okay, let's go to the theater, and let's go see Han Solo. So, I mean... Well, let's go see Chewie. That's what they should be saying. Exactly. <laughs> right, yeah. 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 I, I, that's the thing. I mean, I hope that it's... Um, Everything in the movie to me looks fantastic, except for I got I got I got I think it's going to take an adjustment. I think it's going to take an adjustment, and they they've already yeah. said that they already said that they with Alden Ehrenreich they, they they told him not to like don't try to channel don't try to channel Harrison Ford do your own thing mm. okay and you know. So they didn't want him to be like a Harrison Ford parrot, and that's why they didn't cast Anthony and Gruber, who's like basically a Harrison Ford impersonator. Yeah. But they wanted him to do his own thing. But, you know, is the character that iconic that nobody else can actually even portray him and have him come off this come off the screen a little bit different? Like I think Alden Ehrenreich is a fine actor. He really is. He really is. Like, he impressed me in Hail Caesar. He's my favorite part of that movie. He really yeah. impressed me. But it's like, man, he's got big shoes to fill. I, and I mean, for as much as I love Donald Glover, he's still got big shoes to fill playing Lando. I, you know? Yep. I mean, he looks good. But, man, you know, I got to see more of that, too. He, uh, what I've seen looks good. But, man, I, I damn it. I don't know. I know. The movie I looks fun. Exactly, I, the movie looks yeah. fun as fuck, right? Yeah, I feel exactly the same way, man. Like yeah. the, the action looked great. I love seeing Chewie doing stuff that I've never seen him do, which in my head I always knew he could do. And so I was really excited about that. The story looks good. It looks exciting. It's going to be lots of like plot twists and people double crossing each other. It looks cool. Yeah. But it's just like you know you're trying to like basically reboot one of the most iconic characters in cinema history yeah you know portrayed by one of the most iconic actors in cinema history yeah. that everyone knows you know you can ask people that aren't even star wars fans who's that and you show them a picture of han solo and they go that's harrison ford mm -hmm. who's he playing han solo they yeah. might not even be a fan but they know who he is and most people know exactly what his character is like and i just it just blows my mind that they even decided to do this because <laughs> finding someone for han is a absolutely mammoth task see and I, I, honestly well, i'll be honest with you man like i think like the best portrayal of Han Solo that we've seen since Han Solo was Chris Pine in 2009 Star Trek. And I feel like that was Captain Kirk as Han Solo. That was, <laughs> and I, you know, I, it's so, you know, it's, I don't, it's so tough, man. Yeah. It's so tough. Cause I mean, I know I've seen people say about like Chris Pratt. As no, well, he's not, he's, like he's not young enough though. Yeah. But also, it's just, it, it, yes, Star Lord is a similar character. So I understand why people make that connection, but it, he's not the same. You know, is I don't think Chris, you've got it. Well, you've got to cast, you've got to cast somebody who is, who is younger. If you're going to show the, if you're going to show the story before Han Solo, Mm -hmm. You gotta cast somebody that was younger than Han Solo was 
in A New Hope. And Chris yeah. Pratt, Han Solo in A New Hope is 32 years old. And I think that's the character's age, I believe. It's 31, 32. Yeah. Um, maybe Harrison Ford was 35 when they – I don't remember. I'd have to double check. But the character yeah, was like – I think he was slightly older like you said. Yeah. So that, that's the thing. That's I think he may have been like 35. But like the character was 31, 32. So you've got to cast younger like Alden Ehrenreich. You can't mm. cast Chris Pratt because he – he doesn't look – I'm sorry. You, you're not going to be able to tell me at the beginning – like Han is going to be 18 at the beginning of this movie and go on to be 24 at, by the end of the film. It's a six-year gap. You can't yeah. tell me that Chris Pratt, you're going to cast him as an 18-year-old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, that's another tough – tough thing as well because of the age like of the character in New Hope like none of us have ever seen Han as you know any younger than that and it because he's the way he's portrayed in New Hope the character is very lived in it's like he's seen so much shit and done so much stuff and that what that always comes across in every bloody film if the movie if, if, if the portrayal of Han is not that great and people don't like love it then that's how they're going to try to explain it off. Is like, oh, this is not, this is a, this is a new Han that hasn't been exposed to like the dark, you know, of, he, he's not jaded. He's, yeah. you know, this is a hopeful Han and this is a yeah. young, you know, bright eyed, bushy tailed Han Solo, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. It's almost like they've set themselves up to fail. That's, yeah. that's my main thing is you, you just can't seem, I, I personally couldn't cast an actor to replace Harrison Ford in a prequel to a Han Solo movie. I just couldn't do it because I don't think there's anybody that could do it. So they've just set themselves up to fail. As I do. I honestly, goes. if I were to cast, like, if you if you want a fucking 18-year-old Han Solo, I'm casting Nick Robinson from Love, Simon. Like, that's like that's my guy. Like, he's, he's, right. he's around the age. He's, like, maybe 18, 19, or... 19, he's 19, 20, or 21. I think the kid is a d- damn good actor. He's got comedic timing. Like, you not you don't see a lot of that in Love, Simon. You don't see a lot of that in Jurassic World. But this kid's fucking talented. Like, that's where I'm yeah. gonna go. If you're gonna give... If you're gonna get If you wanna give me a teenage Han Solo, I'm giving... I'm going Nick Robinson. But um, yeah. yeah, we got Alden Ehrenreich, and he's got like the he's a uh, you know he's got those rugged, handsome, good looks, and so that's what they want to go with, and uh, we'll we'll see how this works out. I I've always been kind of like more um, optimistic than a lot of people when this first came out. You can go back and listen to the old episodes when everybody when everybody was shitting on Han Solo. Everybody, was, <laughs> no, go back and listen. Go back and listen to our older episodes. Everybody was shitting on Han Solo, saying oh, this movie's going to be shit. I don't need to see it. I don't need this fucking story. Blah 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 blah. blah. And I was saying Alden Ehrenreich might do a fine job. He's a talented actor, and blah blah blah. Jake Jake agreed with me too. Jake was like, yeah, he was really good in Hail Caesar. I think this could be a really good movie. We got some good directors here, and it kind of started falling apart. We lost the <laughs> Phil Lord and Christopher Miller. Um, we you know. And then Alden Ehrenreich doesn't look so good in the in the trailers. But on the flip side, everybody else that was saying, like, this movie looks like shit, like, we're seeing a lot more people come out now and say these trailers are looking really good. Yeah. And Great. so this is like, uh, you know, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Like, I'm still hopeful. I'm still hopeful that this is going to be a, a good movie. I don't know if it's going to be a Tupperware at the end of the day. This might be like... 
sadly, this this might be a uh, you know like a tasted or or something like that at the end of the day. Um, yeah. But I I have faith. That I might. You know, I don't want to walk out of the theater and like for this to be like uh episode one, Phantom Menace, where I'm like, oh, my God, that was <laughs> fucking awesome. And then like really sit back and think about it and be like, <laughs> you know, like have that come to Jesus moment where I was like, dude, that was kind of fucking stupid, right? <laughs> and, oh, yeah, we pray not not for that. Please. Yeah, no. So. <sighs> Oh god, yeah, fingers crossed, man. Fingers crossed. Fingers, fingers crossed. crossed. Harmon, is this something that you're going to go see in the theaters or are you going to wait for this one? I know I I respect your decision to not see some of these movies in theaters and I I wish that I could do that sometimes, but I do this show and so I've got to do them sometimes. But like the fact that you're just like, "No oh, fucking, I ain't going to see Justice League. Fuck you. I'm going to make my do- <laughs> I'm going to make my dollar bills count and they're not going to count towards your fucking bullshit, you know?" So, um, is this something that you're going to go see in the theaters? When I saw the trailer for, for Solo, when I actually saw it at the movie theaters, yeah. I think that's what sold me. Like, seeing it on the big screen, I was like, okay, I'm ready for this. So, yeah. I, I do plan on catching it in the theater. I'm probably not going to go and see it in IMAX, just go see it at my local theater. But, uh... Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm excited. I'm not like over the top excited, but I'm I'm hopeful for it and it looks like it's going to be a fun movie. I bought my tickets yesterday for IMAX 3D. <laughs> <laughs> so, I've got my seat. I'm sitting in J19. So, I am uh, I'm ready to go on opening <laughs> night. Um, I try to get J17. That's what I got for Avengers Infinity War, but uh I got J19, so whatever. J19 will work. Um, but uh, so you're so you're two seats off, so it's gonna be a taster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Did you guys see the uh, Han Solo 360 degrees um, footage? The little teaser that they gave us from the uh, this uh, what was it? The card, the card game between uh, Han Solo and Lando Calrissian and the other aliens. No. Yeah, I don't think so. It was on Facebook. Um, yeah, Greg Alenti sent me a link too. I I had seen that it had come out, but I was I was busy that day. I didn't get a chance to watch it. But they came out with a 360 degree video of the card game of uh, Han Solo and uh, uh, Lando Calrissian and, and these other aliens. As Han and Lando are playing cards uh, and betting each other ships, and you get uh, you get like Han Solo, like you know, pushing his his uh, chips, in, and he's saying he's all in. And uh, yeah, this is the, this is that game where where Han wins the Millennium Falcon. And, uh, wow, it's, that it, sounds cool. It's presented. That sounds in, awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's been uh, it's been done in the uh, 360 degree cameras where you can like move your phone around and take a look at like different characters' reactions while everything's going on. It's it's really cool. So if you can s- seek that out on Facebook or anywhere, it's it's something to definitely check out. And also Lando Calrissian. This is actually I think this might be the footage that they released at CinemaCon. But they, I don't think they didn't release it as the 360 degree footage, but, um, Lando, Donald Glover calls Han, just like he does in the other films, he calls him Han. 
So like that happens. (laughs) (laughs) So that's cool. (laughs) See that I swear I get so confused because you know some people call him Han, some people call him Han. You know, it's tomato tomato, right? Yeah, (laughs) garage or garage. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, garage or garage. Oh, or Aquaman or Aquaman. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) God damn it. No, man. I like, no, like the, your accent's, uh, fucking amazing, Dan. Like, seriously. <laughs> I don't give a shit. You can say anything. Like, you, you could take words that you would say just like us and just say them differently just to fuck with me and I wouldn't know any different, but I'd be like, <laughs> God damn it. I'm, I may start doing that. I may start doing that. <laughs> I'd be like, God damn it. I love the way you say tomato. You say, you say tomato. Jesus, it's it's a, it's beautiful. You know, like, like I don't know, Harmon. What like like it's amazing, right? It's it's astounding. Yeah. I mean, I'm just trying to think. You... It's really not my macrophone. Normal <laughs> macrophone. <laughs> macrophone. Oh, okay, that's how you say it. <laughs> Start making up words. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna have to write down a list so I can fuck you, fuck you over later. <laughs> ah, uh, yeah, do it, do it, absolutely. Just be, oh well. And I'm just the, gonna drop them in and see if you notice. Drop them in, drop them in, and then at the end of the episode, you can be like, "Okay, Brian, all right, let's. I'm gonna take you back to uh, remember when we were in DC <laughs> News and I he dropped this word. Well, yeah, and just like, and that's where you like you you you, you reveal. Like, I'll make my guesses as to what words you changed and yeah. then and then I want you to um and we can call the game it can call it like the game we, it'll be like a game show and we'll call it like West Side Story and oh like, awesome can yeah. we get the music as well the, <laughs> exactly. the game show music yeah and I'm, in, I'm in I'm all in I'll try to take my guesses and then you can tell us like what words you really said differently in your native dialect or whatever the fuck <laughs> brilliant <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm in. I'm 100 in. It sounds like a great game. This is fucking brilliant. <laughs> all right, guys, that's all I got for us this week. I want to thank you guys for being troopers on this episode. This is this. Uh, thank you so much. I mean, Jake wasn't with us this week. He's off doing some other things. He's uh, I think he's off seeing uh, Anthony Jeselnik tonight in St. Louis, the comedian. Uh, last week, me and Jake got to see Dion Cole together, and that was a shit ton of fun. But uh, yeah, um, but yeah, Jake's not here this week. He'll be back next week, everybody. Don't worry, you're not gonna have to listen to my fucking ass. Uh, 100% next week, Jake will be back. <laughs> For all you, uh, Jakeinators or whatever the fuck you call yourselves, the Jake fans. <laughs> <laughs> the Jake offs or whatever the fuck you guys call yourselves. Um, <laughs> so, um, but, uh, yeah, Jake will be back next week. Thank God. I, I, I miss him when he's not here, but you guys, I, I had to, I had to have another Jake fill in, which was awesome. Harmon, you're always a great guest. You're, you're fucking amazing. I love it. I was like, oh my God, dude, fucking Harmon's, I'm going to get to talk to Harmon about Cobra Kai. I know how he loves, loves the Karate Kid. Can't wait to talk to him about that. And then the fucking, I definitely like the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers stuff. Like there's nobody else better to talk to about that stuff than you, man. You know your shit. Well, thank you for, for having me on. It's always a pleasure, man. And you know, I love talking with you guys and this is always a blast. Absolutely. Dan West, thanks again, man. Two weeks in a row or I'm gonna give you a little break. I'm gonna put you back I'm gonna put you back in the closet for a little bit, okay? Yeah, put me back in the box. It's I'm fine. gonna put you back in the box. <laughs> All right. All right. So, yeah, thanks for having me on, dude. Absolutely. I do miss Thank you guys. You. I really do. 
Thank you. And uh, Rebecca Daling, thank you for being on here for three minutes. I want to thank you for... Yeah, Rebecca. The fact she didn't mention it for yeah. about an hour. Either. Re- Rebecca Daling's appearance was brought to us by AT and T Internet. So thank you, <laughs> thank you, AT and T. Yeah, reach out and touch someone or not, whatever you know. <laughs> reach out and Cobra Kai never dies, but her internet sure does. <laughs> exactly. Reach out and grab it. Just swipe at nothing. Just you're just <laughs> just pulling at nothing there. But yeah, but hopefully we'll have Rebecca on in the future. But all right, guys. Just like all good leftovers saying they're doggy bags. I haven't said this in a while. You know why? Because it's fucking. St- Stupid. <laughs> a little sign off. And just like all good leftovers say on their doggy bags, thanks for listening and thanks for your patronage. We'll see you next week. Right. See you guys. Love, love, love. Take it easy. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. It's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Original and good have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft and do the shaft the crap, even though it is shit. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's race it, clean it, race it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over counterculture, push over top culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftovers. And the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers.